Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 172, I'm pretty sure that's what it is, of the FLW podcast. Uh, Jody White Blanco is not joining us this week. I'm Kyle Wood. I'm in Hopkins, Minnesota. Down there in Benton, Kentucky, I have the one, the only, Curtis Niedermeyer, our fearless leader, joining us today. And I am I am beyond blessed to have you. Dude, where is the uh, button you push to make it sound like applause? <laughs> You're not prepared. Uh, I didn't have that queued up, but I think we can add that in. Hopefully, that we'll we'll add that in afterwards. Okay, fantastic. But I'll, I'll give you a I'll give you a clap. I'm real happy to be here, Kyle. Real happy. The, the big the big cheese is in the house. Yeah, I guess. Jody probably doesn't give you that kind of intro when you podcast with him, does he? Uh, once in a well, I mean, I've only done it with him twice. Um, I think he's usually so intimidated by my presence. In, on the show, oh, sure, he gets a little nervous. <laughs> but I, I gotta say, That's, we're only like a, a minute into this, and this is already probably the greatest podcast in FLW history. Well, I mean, I, I didn't want to jinx it, but I, I kind of feel that. I kind of, I got a vibe about this week's episode. Yeah, we told the listeners last week that uh, this could turn into a very heavy related hunting podcast, and there's a strong chance of that because you've been out hunting, I've been hunting, fishing is kind of dumb. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it, relatively well, it speaking, is relatively speaking. Yeah, relatively speaking. Well, this is that's um, what I'm saying. Just the potential to spend whatever oh, yeah. hour or so talking about hunting makes oh, it this, the greatest podcast we've ever done. It's it's going to be good. So um, I give a quick rundown of what we're doing. Uh, I got I haven't recorded an interview yet, but I'm 99% sure we're going to be talking. I will be talking with. Uh, Joe Thompson, Furman Joe Thompson. Uh, tomorrow he's a tour rookie, but he's fished the Coast FLW Series for a few years, so we'll get to meet him. Uh, Just read then, a profile about him. Sorry to interrupt. It's going to run on the website. David Brown wrote it. Furman, Furman, well, Joe, I'm sorry. Joe is Joe. putting the chips on the table, man. He is going to put basically his savings up because I don't think he has a lot of sponsors. You'll, you'll find that out, I guess, when you talk to him, but He's putting wow. it on the line, and, you know, he's a young guy. He's giving it a shot, and I, I think that's awesome. So, I mean, hopefully things work out well for him. It's, cool. Uh, yeah, he's doing it the right way. You know, he's, he's not tied down. He's, uh, he's made a little money, I think, so he's, he's got a little nest egg going, and he's going to give it a shot mm-hmm. when he has a chance. Yeah, I've, had, I've met him a few times uh, at several Costas, and he's a super nice guy. He won as a co-angler, actually, at the Thousand Islands a few years ago, and not to get ahead of myself on introducing Joe, but – Super cool guy. We'll talk all about him. Yeah. Uh, but that interview will be done later. Uh, you and I, we announced the tour field, so we'll go over that. We got some Christmas-related gift ideas we'll probably go over. Might talk about a technique. We did that last week, but we may just skip it and talk about hunting. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I guess without further ado, here is the one and only Joe Thompson. Joining us this week on the podcast, we have uh, FLW Tour Rookie, uh, Joe Thompson, uh, you're out of Georgia, I believe that's correct, Joe, right? Yes, sir. Clayton, Georgia, Clayton. very northeast corner of the state. Yes, sir. Well, uh, welcome to the podcast, and uh, congratulations on what will be your rookie year um, on the FLW tour, man. I got to give I got to give you a little hand because uh, 
it's big time. You're moving up in life. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to the challenges it's going to present. Well, uh, I guess right out the gate, uh, I, I definitely want to, you know, kind of let you take it for a little bit and, and talk about kind of where you come from. But just for the listeners, I'll give a little background. Um, you fished in college, uh, and I think you fished for, was it Young Harris, or was it? Young Harris College. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's a a, a smaller college, uh, not far from home here. Um, that That was... Uh, a real eye-opener for me to get to travel around. I mean, it really broadened my horizons as far as... Uh, I'd really never even fished grass before, so we spent a good bit of time in Florida and... Oh, sure. Uh, had, had some trouble with it. Did, <laughs> did, did, did learn a lot. Now I, now I can handle myself pretty well down there. Um, uh, made it to the national championship. My senior year of college had plans of winning it, and I you know, <laughs> had some big fish found, and they eluded me on the final day uh but one way or the other had a i think a third or fourth place finish in the national championship yep you finished fourth Um, in national championship yep and uh uh, i mean what else i see uh, on here you know you fished uh bfls uh both as a co-angler and and as a pro you fished uh the southeast division of the coast flw series for the last few years you fished uh the Northern Division uh, as a co-angler uh, at the Thousand yeah. Islands. So you kind of like, you're all over the place, but you've got experience kind of through basically every level of FLW fishing other than the tour. So it's been a pretty good uh, building block, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like I like FLW <laughs> in general. I mean, I, I prefer to fish all the FLW stuff. Um, but I started with BFLs. Uh, that was, I mean, I was probably... 18 years old and that was my first big tournament series and and i fished those for several years um never had any great successes had a couple top tens here and there and you know cashed a lot of checks um then then i i got in the costa series stuff and decided i wanted to learn something and i would travel around with them and uh you know had it had cashed several checks and i, I really i really did well as a co-angler i mean i've got a pretty strong co-angler record um just i mean i guess in the last two years i've had out of the four or five tournaments that i fished i've got they're all 15th place and higher and uh i won thousand islands as a co-angler you did yep i got and i got second at kentucky lake that was this summer um and once again had the winning fish on just just uh missed opportunity there um and I, I just, you know, any time it's uh, I'm not real busy at work here or if I was, you know, if it's hot here, I'm going north, you know. And I, I, I just I just call it vacation and, and take off and go as a co-angler. I don't have to pull a boat or anything else. And uh, that's actually worked out really well for me just because I have had some successes. But it's, you know, I go up there with, for fun and, and uh, brought home a ranger uh, yeah. last fall. And that's, I was going to say, uh, last summer is when I met you in 2016 when you won on the Thousand Islands. Um, I got a chance to talk to you then. I was up covering the tournament. And, uh, yeah, you were like, heck, you know, I just, it's it's hot down in uh, down in Georgia right now. So I came up here to catch some big smallmouths and enjoy the cooler weather. And, yeah. I mean, that's a heck of a way to, to take a little mini vacation. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. No, I, I didn't have, I mean, I 
I figured I could do well. I mean, I, I get along with smallmouth pretty well. I mean, I've been to Canada several times, and, and a spinning rod is, you know, I've grown up with a spinning rod in my hand in clear, deep water, and, and it doesn't bother me at all to just go up there and, and do the same thing. I mean, anyway, I'm, you know, we, we fish for spotted bass primarily in Highland Reservoirs. I mean, Lake Burton and Lake Chatoog are my home lakes, and, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, 20-plus feet deep, and, uh, and, and I do well. I mean, um, and I just took that. I've actually taken everything I've learned here and applied it elsewhere, and I've made it work. I mean, it, it, our little finesse baits and everything uh, and light line seems to do well across the country. Even I, I even put it to work in Florida. I mean, oh, sure. I know that's not something here on Okeechobee too much, but I've had some pretty good days on a spinning rod down there. Nobody, you know, it's cold front and the fish are under pressure, and they they're the same as everywhere else. They just uh, – you know, get tight lipped and any little little difference will help you down there too. For sure, for sure. So you've uh I like that we kind of set the stage. You you've definitely um you've got a lot of experience um you know in different uh environments outside of Georgia. Uh you seem like you're a pretty versatile guy, you know, like you, you um you know you can kind of pick up on a situation real quick. Uh I kinda of wanna know um you've this you've 2017 was your second year fishing the southeastern division of the Coast FLW Series as a as a boater. Um, I'm just going to run yeah. through your your 2016 season. Um, you finished 39th in Okeechobee, 56 on Santee Cooper, and 26 on Wheeler. So um, not a terrible season at all. You finished 16th in the points. Uh, what was that like? Uh, because that southeastern division, man, that's like. The, <laughs> There's no shortage of hammers in that division. So what was it like, you know, kind of going into that rank uh, in 2016 and kind of judging yourself against the rest of the competition? Man, I, I know it doesn't show much, but at the start of 2016 season at Okeechobee, I lost three Giants during the tournament. Should have had a top ten. I mean, it was it – was, I just messed up. A couple of them were my fault. You know, getting them in the net, this and that, broke one off, um, and then and then I went to Santee, and my fish went on bed. I mean, I was catching them on, on a frog, which I don't, I have very little experience with a frog, but I found some snot grass in this way back in this back pond, and and, and man, it was eight and nine pounders in practice. I mean, every I shook off like ten. Dang. I mean, in the same two hundred yard pond. And they went on bed the day before the tournament. I mean, and, and I couldn't see them. There was another little little John boat came in there, and he's like, man, they're on bed everywhere. He's like, right in front of you, on that stump. I still haven't seen the fish. I saw my <laughs> white crawfish disappear into its mouth, but I still couldn't see it. So either way, first day one was kind of a bomb for me. Had like nine, ten pounds. Day two, I smashed them. I went to another spot that I didn't even didn't even go to during the tournament. And I smashed them, and then I realized that the tournament leaders right beside me, and I, I and I was just, I mean, I lost. My co-angler told me that I lost seven that were over seven pounds. One of them was over ten. Had me down through one of those stumps, and it was jumping out there thirty yards, just stripping drag, and he broke twenty five pound fluoro. Um, so that was another one that should have definitely been a top ten. That was, you know, not not that I lost fish. I mean, I had like twenty something pounds on day two. Um, 
but I should have had thirty something easily. Mm-hmm. And um, Wheeler, Wheeler was just a tough tournament. I mean, I caught more than I caught more in the tournament than I did in practice. So that was kind of a good cap to the season. Um, uh, and that was for my first year in Costas. I was really excited about a 16th place finish. Mm-hmm. And um, this season, this season went. You know, I lost. I've only I look back at it, and I've only got one one bad day, and that was day one at Okeechobee, the first tournament of the year. And I pull up on my first hole and third cast, I hook a seven pounder, and it's tail walking through some grass and just cutting up. And I said, "Get the net; it's a big one." And I realized that I didn't have the net out yet. Oh. My co-anchor can't find the net because it's down in the like it's. I drive a Phoenix, and it's down in the in the floor in a hole and yep. you gotta lift up this little latch and then pull the pull the net out. He couldn't find it. So I'm trying to lip a seven pounder on third cast and he <laughs> I touched him with my thumb and he head shakes and comes off. I mean I was fishing with sixty five pound braid in a really big swim jig you know, a big hook swim jig. I could have swung it no problem. Mm-hmm. And I instead I watched it swim away and that cost me winning the points for the Coastal series and another top ten. Um I, you know, and it was, you know, that really hurt my feelings. Um, a similar situation at Chickamauga that not long ago. Um, we were up there, and day one I had 16 pounds, which, you know, not not great by any means, mm-hmm. and had a great practice. I mean, I, I, I caught one 40-plus bag, um, including my biggest fish, which was an 11-and-a-half-pounder. Dang, um, dude. But but then during the tournament I didn't go to my best hole. I mean I fished everything except the hole that was right next to the ramp. So I, I stop in, I, I run back, I catch fifteen pounds to start with on my starting hole and I run all the way back up to the ramp just to fish that spot. And I cold every fish I had and I weighed in like twenty four or twenty five pounds in off of one hole and it was one cast on one hole. Wow. It was just a you know, some grass up on top of a bar. And I was throwing my little underspin that I throw here for spotted bass. It's a it's super fish, you know, half ounce. It's just an underspin. Um, and I'd dr- tick that grass with it. And as soon as I'd, you know, get a little bit bogged up, I'd pop it just a little bit. And they would just hammer it. Big ones. I mean, I, I had Buddy Gross going by me wide open in the wind. And, I, you know, I got... I fished with the, the other the other shallow, shallow water anchors, uh, the talons. And I mm-hmm. was, 11 feet deep he couldn't get his power poles to reach i was in 11 feet deep stopped just jacking him out of one cast and he's all around me just drifting <laughs> by me back and forth and he wasn't catching anything and he, he had the way and he's like what what were you catching those on I, it looked like a little swim bait well well it was <laughs> a little one and it, all it was was a shad it was a shad spawn deal i mean right right there were fish on bed there were fish still doing the shad spawn thing they were still pre-spawners and um i you know i would have had that not been a weather shortened tournament i should have won it i think i ended up seventh place in it um, yep you did and if i'd have had a, if i'd have had a third day i would have had another 25 pound bag because i had like three or four more spots very similar to that that i didn't even get to fish during the tournament um and nobody else was. I mean, I could see them. I could see that nobody else was on them, but I, I had no reason to leave. I mean, I was catching. It was like twenty minute spurts, but it was the same cast. I'd catch a five, I'd catch a three, I'd catch a seven, I'd catch a three, and, <laughs> and it would. 
it just kept reloading for whatever reason. I couldn't catch them on any other cast. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't. It, ledge fishing isn't isn't really my forte, but they were definitely set up because of that current. Um, sure. There was like a little open open patch in the grass that had some shell in it. Um, but that was that. I had a good season either way. Well, uh, no doubt, and the impressive thing. Uh, like for for me looking at it, you know in 2016 your first run like i said the southeastern division is probably the toughest division of the coastas uh and you finished 16th you had a, you had some good finishes and then you come out this year and you go 23rd at okeechobee 24th at seminole and 7th at chickamauga you get a check in every one of them um it just seemed like uh you know like there wasn't a lot of uh a big learning curve. Some guys you watch in the coasts, and you know they got to fish a few years to kind of really, you know, kind of get it underneath them. Whether it's the mental side of it or whatever it is, but um, I mean, you kind of you seem like you picked up on it pretty quick, and and I feel like uh, that's got to give you some confidence too off of your 2017 season going into um, the 2018 tour season, right? Oh yeah, no, I mean I I'm not. You know, I, I'm not nervous about how I'm going to perform or, you know, that I, I'm not worried about that. I, and I'm not even, you know, several of the places that we're visiting I haven't been to before. Like St. Clair I haven't been to. Obviously not scared of a smallmouth fishery. Um, but um, Cumberland I've never been to. I've, never, I've actually never been to Smith Lake. But, you know, all I've ever heard is, you know, Lanier and Smith Lake are very similar. And I fish for, you know, it's a blueback herring lake. That's what I grew up on. That's mm-hmm. what everybody seems to struggle on blueback lakes. But, I mean, that's that's how I learned to fish. I mean, it. I, I imagine it. I've never fished a big tournament, you know, on a, on a lake that I'm familiar with. Uh, who knows how I'll react to that. <laughs> I mean, I do better on grass lakes and, and, and river system smallmouth fishing. I mean. But um, been to Kentucky Lake had had a good finish there this year as a co angler. I mean, I I, uh, I I'm not I'm not really worried about it. I mean, I, I'm going in confident, and uh, you know, if I can basically if I can catch those fish that you know that it's my fault I lose them, then I, then I'll be way ahead of the game. I mean, it this year I had a great season, but if I'd have done things just a little different, I mean, I'd have I'd have you know, beat Randy Haynes and Buddy Gross in the points, and I'd have had, you know, a fat pocket from those checks too because right. I would have really, really done better with it, with just a couple, a couple little mistakes that I made. I mean, that one with the no net out, and I won't let, make that mistake again. <laughs> um, I was going to say some but, of these seem pretty, uh, pretty easy to learn from, like the no net. Plus, you know, before a tour event, you get the off day, so you know, on that Wednesday right. before, you can kind of. Get everything gathered together. You can make sure your net's out. You can make sure your hooks are sharp and all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, that's part of the problem, too, is I, I always – it doesn't matter how much time I have to practice. I'm out there until the meeting on the day before the tournament. And I and I always – you know, I'm late night getting my tackle done. That off day is going to help me a lot, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, There's a reason so many guys talk about why they love it, and it's – that exact purpose right there is that uh, if you're one of those guys that goes hard and practices hard and all that, and then all that preparation stuff that is so necessary kind of becomes a secondary thought. Well, now you're kind of forced to, 
you can sleep in, you can actually eat some good food, have some breakfast, and get your stuff done. I think uh, for a rookie, too, it's got to be um, kind of comforting, I think, to know that's in front of you, at least. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that's what I'm that, – that's going to make a big deal to, to me. I mean, I, I'm also fishing the, the southeastern coasts again this year just because, you know, I, I'll, I, I'm going to be at Okeechobee regardless for the yep. tour. So I wanted to go down for it. Um, I, I like Okeechobee. I mean, even though every time I've ever been there, it's been a cold front come through. Um, <laughs> but I think that actually benefits me. It kind of slows everybody else down, and I and I, you know, I got some little little tricks down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, I I really want in Seminole. I mean, I had a a good finish down there, and. Uh, you know, some, some big fish down there the last time the Costa went. And uh, Santee, I want revenge. I mean, Santee left me, you know, I drove all the way home with a heartache just because I lost all those big fish. I mean, it it should have been my biggest tournament bag ever. And I, I don't even remember what I had, 20-some-odd 20, 20 pounds. But, you know, I, I want revenge for sure. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like that you're doing the uh, both the Costas and the tour event because you're right, like you're – you got to be at Okeechobee for the tour anyway, so you know you might as well go down a couple weeks prior and fish the Costa, which a lot of the tour guys will be down there. I'm sure that that tournament's always jam packed anyway with uh, with kind of big names and, and stars, and I'm sure this year will be absolutely no different. Yeah, no, I mean it'll be you know it, it'll be a lot of the tour guys will be in that tournament. Um, I, I've actually had. You know, I, I occasionally get to talk to Buddy Gross, and he he says, you know, if you're not fishing the Costa Series while you're fishing the Tour, you're backing up. He said it's he said you're better off, you know, money wise and everything else. Get in the Costa Series. He said it's it, it's more valuable to you. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I look up to him for sure. He's he's, he's one of my heroes. And uh, Brian Thrift. I mean, I, I I've talked to him a couple times. It's, I'm. I'm excited about you know rubbing elbows with the with my heroes for know? sure for sure. I was gonna uh, and that that's a great point because I was gonna ask you uh, on the tour guys whether it's uh, new faces or guys that have been there for a while. You know you mentioned Buddy Gross and and Brian Thrift. Uh, who else is someone you're kind of like looking forward to being in that weigh-in line at, at the tanks and looking over and seeing you know. JT Kenny or someone uh, standing next to you. Well, I've, I've I've already fished against a good many of them, but you know Mark Rose, I've met him a couple times. Super nice guy. Um, look forward to talking to him again. Um, and and you know obviously he's a he's a hammer. And uh, uh, looking forward to that. Let's see, Scott Martin. You, you can't help oh, yeah. but respect the guy who's doing. Who's doing? As far as I can tell, as far as sponsor sponsorship goes, he is the man. You know, he he doesn't even have to do well in the tournaments. Yet he does. I mean, he's a great fisherman too. But right, it, right. he's he's got his sponsor stuff down pat, and uh, you got to admire him for that. For sure. Um, I don't know. There's there's lots of guys. I mean, they're they're all obviously the, the every veteran there is there for a reason. Uh, you you can't keep up if you're not performing well and uh those guys they're good well uh you mentioned um before we started recording that um you knew a couple of the fellow rookies i think um 
There's actually 20 because I think the list on our website has 18, but I believe Todd Castledine and Russell Cecil were left off of that. So I think it's 20. Um, but you said you knew a few of the guys, uh, some of the rookies that you'll be uh, fishing against this year, right? Yeah, yeah. There's. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but I mean, here locally, there's. I say locally, with, you know, within a few hours of me, um, there's a few guys getting in that are, um, you know, they're good. I mean, I, I I actually don't know them that well. It was more like travel partners uh, for the Costa Series stuff. Oh, okay. And uh, you got one guy coming in from uh, St. Clair that I traveled with. I actually practiced with him at Thousand Islands the year that I won. Um, I just got in the boat with him and, and great guy. Um, Steven? Steve Hatala. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is a cool guy. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good friends with him, and, and we still talk. And he's, you know, I, I, I hope we can uh, swap out a little information here and there for uh, Lanier versus uh, Saint Clair. I mean, we've got some good trade material. Sure, and, sure. Uh, um, you know, I, I know a few guys. I, I've signed on with a, a couple of uh, sponsor deals that. Um, you know, already have a few fishermen on their list, and I've met them, and, you know, they're saying, you know, if you need somewhere to stay, come stay with us, and um, not really going to talk about that sponsorship stuff yet. It's not released yet. But, sure, sure. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've met a lot of people, and I know several of them. I mean, Clayton Batts, he's from Georgia, too. I've traveled with him. Um, I don't know. I don't even know who all – how many of them I do know. I mean, I know several, and, and I, you know – Met several for sure, um, you know, but uh, looking forward to a good season for sure. Now you mentioned like traveling with some of these guys for the coasts and stuff. Do you have uh, one particular guy or a group of guys that you're going to travel with for the tour? Are you going to do it yourself? Um, have you thought that far ahead yet? Oh yeah, I'm already planning. And and Craig Razima from over in South Carolina, he's uh, we're going to be travel partners, and we you know. We're going to rent houses or, you know, get rooms. We're going to try to split travel costs and everything. Yep. Uh, and I think that'll help out a lot, you know. Um, but I've actually got several guys that I can call, and uh, I, I guess I need to get to work on that. I mean, to go ahead and line something up. Um, but just get, get all our travel plans made out before it gets, you know, before everybody else gets in there. Yeah, that's understandable. Well, I guess, uh, I mean, it is, uh, the season is upon us. It sounds like, you know, you're busy uh, finishing up sponsor deals, so that's all That's all well and good. I guess, <clears throat> before I talk any more about that, I, I suppose I kind of want to know, um, uh, what do you do right now for, for a job? All right, well, I've actually kind of a, I don't know, jack of all trades. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a carpenter 40 hours a week. And I work for my dad's construction company. Um, I have, you know, several jobs. We live in a vacation community. You know, we have a lot of celebrities on our little small lakes here. Um, Saban, uh, Nick Saban, Alan Jackson. Oh, you know, we got some big names. Lots of, lots of big houses. But I caretake <clears throat> a lot of those houses. I do, uh, you know, just your basic leaf blowing, pressure washing, window cleaning. Window cleaning is pretty big. <laughs> you know, really? Everybody wants their glass clean. Okay. And, uh, you know, I live in the mountains, so it's big, tall houses and everything. Um, and then I'm also a licensed real estate agent. Uh, I work for Remax and Raven, and basically, 
I'm too busy to do that full time, but I am my mom's, you know, my mom's big into it. She's, she's had a, a very successful career with Remax and, and so I'm like her, uh, secondary uh, secretary i guess you'd say like i okay. go around and open up all the houses for her and whenever she's too busy i go show people and uh but yeah i mean i've you know i got i've got several jobs that i i'm i'm wide open all the time yeah you ain't kidding about being a jack of all trades you are kind of you got a hand kind of in every pot so to speak yeah yeah no i and i like it that way i mean if i i work daylight to dark um and I'm always on the phone had lining up the next job. And, you know, that also that's going to allow me to still work whenever I do get to come home. I'll have plenty of work to do and uh, no idle time next year. I mean, I'm going to have a busy year for sure. Well, uh, I'd imagine, too, like the um, the work you're doing now, it, it it's very conducive to allowing you to be able to fish, you know, the, the tour and the Costa Series as well. Um, like the flexibility is pretty, pretty solid. That's, that's the reason that I haven't, I mean, I, I've got a bachelor of science in biology and the reason that I haven't went to get, uh, you know, air quote here, a real job, um, is because I wanted to fish and you can't take off, you know, eight, 10 weeks a year to fish the Costa series stuff that you want to, if you have a real job, you know, Mm so, so my dad lets me come and go anytime I want and uh all my other stuff I get it done you know before I leave and uh then I'm gone I mean I'm just (laughs) waving (laughs) wave as I'm headed out of the county well uh I I I like it man I like that um um there there's some guys I feel like get a point where whether it's they fish the coaster for a little bit and they don't really have a career lined up, but they try to dive into the tour, and it usually ends pretty bad. But I, it, it's kind of refreshing to hear that you got things, um, you know, pretty pretty solid on the, you know, kind of the, uh, maybe not the, I guess the financial side. You know, like you got work, like you said, when you come home, you can work. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm this place is, is like it's really growing right now small place i mean I, there's plenty of work for me if i want to come home and you know what this is the reason i'm jumping in i don't have any children yet i've got a girlfriend that's a long time girlfriend and she's she's pushing me a little bit and wanting to want to go on to the next level and i'm you know hesitant but this is my last chance you know as a as a as a a, a youth we'll say it. Uh, not that i'm sure. too young but um you know, I don't have too many, um, you know, priorities other than taking care of myself and fishing as much as I want. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to get it. I want to get it done now, and either it works. I'm gonna have a big time either way. It's gonna be a heck of an experience. But if it if it doesn't work, I'll go get a real job. I mean, I've got plenty of backup. I can I can sell real estate. I can actually use my college degree (laughs) (laughs) right right. that's kind of at the bottom of the list but (laughs) actually we we went to college to go fishing and uh you know i got a degree out of it you know so uh, that that worked out pretty well pretty well i mean it's a definitely a a good thing to have on your resume anyways for Um, sure it'll help me down well Um, 
what um i mean i guess while we're on the topic of tour and and kind of your life um what you, you know you said it, the timing's right to fish the tour you know like uh you know you said you don't have any kids or nothing you you everything's kind of in place was there any other factor that really kind of made you go huh i think i really should fish the tour whether it was the costa last year i mean are there any other things that made you sit back and go you know what i'm doing it. i gotta i gotta do it well you know this this isn't something this isn't new i mean this is whenever i was six eight years old everybody else wanted to be an astronaut or a veterinarian or you know heaven forbid a dentist i wanted to be a <laughs> professional fisherman i mean that that was what i wanted to be you know, everybody asks you, what do you want to do whenever you grow up? I want to be a professional fisherman. And and so this is something that I've, you know, it, it, it really did kind of fall in my lap. And had I not, um, it, it was one email from FLW. They said, you know, you qualified for the FLW tour. You have priority entry and this and that. And I said, well, now it's it's now or never. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's time to do it. So, so I... Just from that one email, I said I'm fishing. I'm fishing the tour. I mean, and I and I feel like I'm 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 prepared for it. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm beginning to get some um, some knowledge that'll help me, you know, power through the hard parts. Um, I, I've 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 been plenty of places that I haven't caught them, you know, and and um, the Costa series just lines up where I do know a little bit about the lakes. It's worked out well. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, the Costa Series, good finishes have – and I feel like if I can if I can be in the top 50 and, and draw a check out of all the Costa Series tournaments out of, you know, 200, 250 boats, whatever it is, um, I think I can compete in the tour. I think I'll be able to draw a check at least in most of them. And I'm – sure. you know, I'm – I don't want to, you know, sound – you know, arrogant or anything, but I'm, I'm really thinking about that rookie of the year. Um, I, I don't think, you know, I, I better put your money on me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm confident. And, um, that would be, you know, a really good start to a career there. Uh, start out with rookie of the year. And I, I, I think I can do it. I mean, I really do. I'm confident. I like, I like the confidence. And I mean, it, it's, <clears throat> I always thought like rookie of the year, it is it's one of those things that you know you can only win once right like you get one shot at it right, so when you do right. it it's a big deal uh, this year especially though like with the not only the size of the rookie class but the um just like the sheer oh i guess uh caliber of anglers that are in this rookie class i mean it, it's like not a slouchy type of a oh, yeah. rookie class by any means so uh i mean i, I feel like oh, no, there's even I mean, a little it, extra on it if if you know, whoever wins it this year, uh, it can be that much more special. Oh yeah, no, I mean that's I, I'm after it. I mean that's you know that's that's the that's the that's the goal this year is rookie of the year, and I want to be able to you know make a little bit of money. I understand that you know I, I'm not going to have the sponsors and everything to do you know to make a lot of money unless I just have an outstanding year, which I'd love to have, but. Um, if I can get out of this season with making a little bit of money, then and just enough to put me put me toward next the the, the following year, I think that's a great start, um, and that's what I'm shooting for. And and 
it'd be really nice if I could get out of the, you know, get out of each tournament with at least a, you know, a $10,000 check. That would be, um, that, that would help that go a long ways. Um, For sure. budgets, my, bu- my budget's not too big, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not covered all the way yet. Um, but, um, I, I, I think I'll be all right. Well, uh, on the, on the topic of the tour, uh, you mentioned some lakes you haven't been to, some lakes you have. Do you have a favorite one uh, on the list for next year? You know I'm shooting for Lanier. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Lanier, Lanier in March, I mean, it's an hour from the house. Um, you know, I, I can I can tell you right now where I'm going to be and what I'm going to be doing. And it's not, you know, it's no secret, but I've got confidence in it. And, you know, it just depends. I mean, Lanier in March is going to be, uh, you know, possibly spawn. It'll be early spawn, if if at all. I hope that it stays cold. You know, yeah. I, I hope that we have snow the week before the tournament. You know, that's that's what I really hope for. And that'll, you know, then your Florida guys are going to be really hindered whenever they can't sight fish. <laughs> you uh, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're set up to be, you know, every, every tournament is – could potentially be a spawning tournament this season. Every single one of them. I mean, um, Kentucky Lake, not so much, but you know that those fish up there, they, you know, you could still have some spawners, um, oh, depending no, yeah. on the weather, no obviously. Um, so, uh, you know, I, and I'm, I'm not great at bed fishing, but I can, I can hold my own, you know, um, I'm, I, I'd love to think that I could, um, pull the light line trick and, and go to town all the way through the season. But, hmm. you know, obviously not going to do that at Okeechobee. I'm, the, the stuff I'm doing down there, most of it's going to be 65 to 80 pound braid. And, uh, I think that's no secret or anything, but, um, it does. That's the only place I've ever been that I fish straight braid. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's almost amazing to me, honestly, that they still bite it after being pounded so long. Oh yeah, man! You should come on up here to Minnesota, and uh, um, heck, you'd be amazed at how many fish you can catch on straight braid and like really clear water. <laughs> but they're a little more dumb yeah, well, than, yeah. than the Okeechobee bass are. Yeah, y'all, y- y'all have so many more lakes too. I mean, it's not <laughs> like if, if, if there's a tournament on one lake and you don't want to get in the tournament, you just go across the street to the other lake. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I. I, I've actually never fished in Minnesota. Been through there plenty of times. Always said I was going to slow down on the way through at some point, but um, I haven't done it yet. I mean, we go you know straight through Minnesota, up through International Falls, up into Canada, and that's some that's some good smallmouth fishing. Oh um, yeah, that, that northwest is a... Northwest Ontario on a fly, uh, you know, a float plane trip, drop you off on an island kind of deal. Oh, um, right on. So do you guys? My mom, my where do you mom fly fishes seventy five a day. Oh, fine. Add a Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's seventy-five um, a day. I feel like. Uh, I mean, my mom catches seventy-five a day. <laughs> I don't even count how many I catch. I mean, last trip, last trip I took up there was probably three or four years ago, and I caught eleven smallmouth that were over twenty-five inches long. And I don't know. I didn't have. A, we didn't have a scale with us. It didn't matter. But I had that many over twenty-five inches now, and they were you know, seven plus pounders. I mean, mm-hmm. big ones. And, and, um, on an eight inch Magnum 
chartreuse pepper lizard. <laughs> of all things, of all the things you can smallmouth fish with, uh, that'd be like you know, the last thing I got... would ever grab. Oh, I know, I know, and I, like I, I actually found them floating under the dock in the water. So they were eight-inch lizards, but they had actually swelled up to like nine or ten inches. <laughs> and I had I had five of them in a bag. And I caught the first big one. I gave my mom one and my dad one, and I just continued to catch them on mine. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's but, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I got got bored throwing tubes and shad wraps and stuff, so I said, I'm going to catch a big one, and by golly, I did. Man, they liked it. <laughs> well, yeah, you'll have to keep that one. Hopefully not too many tour guys listen to this. You can keep that in your back pocket for, like, uh, like a St. Clair. <laughs> you know, maybe be dragging yeah, one of yeah. them things around. <laughs> Well, I mean, who knows? Uh, who knows? I mean, out there we were in, you know, a, you know, pretty small glacier lake, but with very little fishing pressure. But, um, you know, one way or the other, I, I, I might try. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd say just put you some lizards in a little Rubbermaid with a little water in it. Let them start soaking now and uh, just see how they look yeah. come tournament time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going for that very natural texture of that yeah. salt swelled up in plastic. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, I, I kind of want to get down. Um, we, we've obviously covered some, um, you know, like a little bit about you, a little bit about fishing. Uh, but I got to know: um, Are you uh, one of those guys that likes to? Do you like to get out and do any hunting this time of year, or are you? Uh, Pretty much just straight, I'm working and I'm fishing. I'm pretty much working and fishing. Now, I, I used to deer hunt a lot. Um, you know, I, I've actually, yesterday, we're, we've got, I guess it's like the second rut coming on or something. I actually saw a big buck close to the house, and I'm surrounded by public land. I mean, I can hunt anywhere. There's no houses where, you know, I live, oh. you know, 25 minutes from the gas station. And, um but I actually saw a big buck cross the road yesterday, and I went and put my trail camera out before daylight this morning. And I haven't got a picture of him, but there's three other small bucks that are using the same pod place. So um, I'm thinking about, you know, I've got one of those uh, covert cameras that will send the pictures to your phone. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, it's a, that's, that's a cool piece of technology there. <laughs> Isn't um, it? And it, as, soon as, as soon as he comes back through, I'll know it. And uh I've already got the the tree picked out where I'm going to hang the stand and everything else, and um, I'll know whenever he's there. I mean, <laughs> hopefully he'll come back. So, in other words, I, I don't deer hunt much, but it, it, I might be hunting this this week coming up. Okay, <laughs> all right. I like that. I like that. Well, um, uh, I guess the final thing I want to know, and for the uh, maybe even for the listeners as well. Um, your, uh, you go by Joe, but on our list here it says Furman and then Joe in parentheses Thompson. That's how your name is re- listed on our on our roster. Um, yes, is Joe your middle name? Joe, what's uh, okay? So 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 here here's here's the long and short of it. My my name is not Joe at all. Okay. <laughs> I go by Joe. It's Joe's kind of a nickname, but. Nobody knows me as Furman. My name is Furman Hoyt Thompson. I was named after both of my grandfathers, um, and I was little Joe growing up. Well, my grandfather died. His name was Joe also, and my grandfather died, so now I'm Joe. And so nobody knows who Furman is. All the way through high school, everything else, nobody knew who Furman was. So 
I, I go by Joe, and and I, you know, the best I could get the, you know, the tournament directors and the BFL to do was to put my name in 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 parentheses, Joe, and so they announced me coming off to the stage as Joe, and that's right, uh, right. that's good enough, you know. I mean, <laughs> I they basically explained to me that for tax purposes they had to have my real name in there and everything. But, yep, yep. Um, so, so I'm I'm actually going to make a couple phone calls and see if I can get Furman just taken off completely, just on the roster. Like I I don't you know I understand y'all need my real information, but yep. <laughs> just I, just Joe, just Joe. I, I think we can make that happen. To be honest with you, in fact, as soon as I'm done recording this podcast with you, I'll go into the article that has all the the rookies and the tour list uh, posted, and I'll just go on ahead and change it for you. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. See, nobody, everybody sees they they call me and they say I can't find your name on the list. Where are you? I was like, <laughs> my name's Furman. They're like, what? what? You know, people that have known me my whole life, you know, still don't still don't know my name. Oh um, man. Oh, well, that's good. I think that's um, that's a good thing to end around here, man. I'll, I'll let you get going. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your day to, to join me on the podcast here. Uh, before I let you go, Joe, uh, for the folks listening, where can they follow you um, as you start the 2018 tournament season? What uh, what social medias you got going? I've got uh, Instagram is Joe Thompson Fishing, and um, – Facebook is Joe dot Thompson dot fishing. Um, and, and I post, I, I'm, you know, getting my GoPro stuff ready. I'm going to do a lot of videos. Um, I'm going to be posting a lot of content and, and that's going to be, you know, that's going to be fun. I, I basically got a bunch of locals here that would love to be in the boat with me during practices and everything else, but I'm going to wait until after the tournaments to post the, the practice videos and, and, you know, the big catches and stuff. I may, yep. I may post a couple of sneak peeks of some big fish, big fish. And, um, but yeah, I'm really going to try to keep that up today. Um, got, I'm going to be showcasing some new products coming out next year. And, uh, and, Actually, a couple of them are already out, but nobody knows about it. I can't even find them online. So, uh, but either way, I'm gonna have some. I'm gonna have some cool stuff, and uh, it, just go go follow my my page there, and I'll I'll be lighting it up come January. Well, I like it, man. I uh, I, I look forward to. I got to make sure I'm actually following you, so I can I could creep on you during practice and in between time. So. That's what we do here, is you yeah. know, is right. We gotta we gotta follow you guys. Um, but oh, yeah. yeah, I hope, I hope the people listen. We got a lot of big fish on there, so so go look at that now. Yeah, let's uh, we'll check it out. We'll uh, I hope everyone listening follow Joe along through the season. And uh, man, like I said, it was a pleasure having you on. And I guess we'll be seeing you here in well, a little under a month down in Florida. So um, good luck getting everything locked up. Uh, deal wise and we'll see you in hopefully a warm sunny florida not a cold wintry <laughs> florida like uh, either, either way it, it, it could frost but it'll still be warm during the day and it's still going to be short sleeve weather it always is i mean true, it's, true it's that, be a man. Good time. <laughs> well thanks thanks for coming on joe i appreciate it all right have a good one i appreciate it okay we're back from uh from our joe interview uh, Kurt, I guess Jody and I have been talking about how in the news realm of FLW, it's been a little slow. That's just the time of year we're in. Things are a little, yeah, a little, just kind of creeping along. We're really getting ready for 18, but 
just yesterday we announced the 2018 FLW Tour roster. And how many guys do we have on tour next year, Kurt? 187. That's a lot of dudes. It is a lot of dudes. It's a little old school FLW. Uh, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it's a little old school. You know, we used to do, I guess we had mm -hmm. 200 boat fields for a while. I don't think they were ever much bigger than that. But I think when I started, it was like 200 boat fields. And, uh, yeah, I mean, who can complain about having too much demand for your product, right? I mean, that's a good thing. So I think it's a oh, good sign. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, uh, obviously – um, there are a lot of the same faces people are familiar with. Um, we have a list of them on flwfishing.com. We also have a lot of uh, newcomers, as you would expect. A bunch of them. Uh, I will point out that Wesley Strader, Shin Fukai, officially fishing the Elite Series. So wish them the best of luck, but you will not see them on the tour next year. Um, Dude, that's a lot we of laughs we're not going to have. Dude, right? I mean, Shin's always good to crack a joke on stage. And Wesley's Wesley. So, I mean, I, I do wish him the best. And, and I, you know, everyone has to choose what's best for their career in this business because it's hard to make a living catching bass. But I'm going to miss those mm -hmm. guys a little bit, you know? It'll I will. Different. I, 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 we'll still cross paths with them. You know, we'll oh, see yeah. them at ICAST. We we'll, might see them at a, at a Costa or something. But, um, yeah, wish, wish them the best of luck. But we do have um, – we do have some guys that fished the Elite Series last year um, coming over, and we have like 18 or 19 legit rookies fishing us. Um, I think it's 18. I didn't count them. But uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's I, I'm kind of with you. I like the, the bigger field. It is kind of old school FLW. Um, There's some people that are kind of griping and moaning about it. Now we are going to uh, – we're going to pay down – ten thousand dollars to 60th place i think is how that goes right yeah, yeah. mo money be another 10 places 18 yeah, rookies so, i just counted them 18 18 yeah. all right so a uh, pretty solid uh rookie class and a lot of guys that have fished um costas for a while there's some guys that were tour rookie or uh tour co-anglers for uh, a few years um but it should be so it should be a pretty good rookie of the year race i would guess because that class looks kind of stout oh yeah um, who else? What about in terms of, we don't really have them listed out, uh, guys we haven't seen for a while. I know one, um, in particular, uh, let's see, like we got Chad Morgan Taylor's fishing us again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just running through the I list. Was, I was on the road when we made the announcement, so I haven't really had a chance to go through the full list and I'd heard some of the rumors, but I, I've been occupied enough this off season that I hadn't, you know, really verified a bunch of the people who were coming out. I saw uh Little Mac's gonna fish us this year, Jared McMillan. Yes, sir. Jared McMillan is fishing us. And his um, brother says that Jared is the best fisherman on Okeechobee right now. So oof. keep that in mind. And keep in mind that the McMillans are good buddies with Gussie and they're good buddies with the Johnston brothers. And if those guys are all working together You've got Ooh, a northern boy. smallmouth tournament. You've got two in Florida. I mean, dude, what a stout little group of guys that's going to be. Oh, yeah, that'll be like kind of a force uh, to be reckoned with because we've seen, uh, well, I guess maybe some people don't know that they've been uh, like Gussie the Johnstons and um, McMillan have been hanging out 
uh, the last couple of years. But yeah, now it's like a couple of Florida tournaments. We got some smallmouth stuff. Yeah. Like they'll really be able to feed off each other. And um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if uh, Brandon McMillan. I could see him having a really good year again this year. Yeah, uh, look the at schedule. He, he's been doing better on fisheries. Where I mean, I guess I just assumed he didn't have the types of fisheries where he didn't have a lot of experience. I mean. You always kind of peg guys in Florida as being just Florida guys, and maybe it takes them a little while <laughs> right. to kind of figure out how to catch bass that don't run and hide as soon as the temperature drops five degrees. <laughs> uh, yep. But he's really shown that he can catch them. I don't think those guys – I mean, I don't think they full-on share information. I don't know that for sure. I think they just kind of more like, you know, a little bit about how they're catching fish. It's not like they're sharing spots or anything. To my no, yeah. I think the Johnson brothers do level. together, but – I do know that there's a little bit of information uh, changing hands, and that just makes you know it makes it a little bit easier for them to get on a pattern and find some fish. And so, I, yeah, that's a that's a good Definitely. group. But yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be real interesting to see how that turns out. Um, who else? Glenn Brown's uh, back too. I'm just running yeah, Glenn Brown is back. Yep, he got over. Uh, he had some some health issues, and I you know did we run an update? on what his situation is maybe we should talk with him i don't know if we have recently we probably should yeah. because um he's uh he's back in action he seems to be doing well uh so i'm i'm super pumped to see glenn back on there yeah we got uh todd castledine russell cecil joining the tour this year i think jody and i have hinted at that a little bit uh, but it is official that the two texas hammers will be going against the you know, some of the best and the best. Let me tell best you, of the best. There are between those two fishing the tour and Ray Hansman fishing the Elite Series. There are a lot of dudes in Texas right now who are really happy that those guys are going to be fishing <laughs> the <local laughs> that they're the occupied. Right? Yeah. Good. Get out on the road. Get out of here. Quit taking our money for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, who else? Gosh, I feel like there's there's a pile of names. I should have been better prepared with this. Clint Davis. Um, yes, my old buddy from Montevallo, Alabama, is uh, <laughs> is back. Uh, is Chad Grigsby, inside joke. People get that right. You got oh, yeah. it in the wrong like, laughing voice. If you've watched, hey, my old buddy Clint Davis from Montevallo, Alabama. How you doing, big boy? <laughs> Kitchen That's fish. Right. That was a circuit breaker thing or something, wasn't it? And you, uh, yeah, I think we, I think we done yeah. it a time or two. Otherwise, you'll hear a lot of it uh, next year. I'm sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, gosh, uh, J. Todd Tucker, um, uh, joining the squad this year. Uh, Chad Grigsby's back. Yep, Grigsby's back. The Minnesota crew is kind of expanding. So, yeah, uh, you know, uh, if you're up here. Who is that that kind of works with Andy Young and Josh Douglas? It's, it was a co-angler, I think, or maybe? Uh, Dave Larson? Yeah, I don't, I don't know him very well, but, uh, he joined up with that group, it looks like. So, are they going to travel together? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Minnesota um, is uh, uh, Chad Love and I have had this conversation. Minnesota's kind of uh, so it's it's always been known as a fantastic place to fish, but I guess it its tournament scene has always been somewhat of a like an in state tournament scene, but it really is kind of gaining ground on a national for sure. recently. I guess I maybe that what they changed some regulations, getting people on the lax. There's all kinds of weird stuff going on on that lake, but you know having some big tournaments there and seeing a, a contingent of guys, you know. Uh, Oh shoot! I'm I'm gonna screw up your your buddy's name who who made the classic. Uh, can't think of his name. Seth Fighter. Seth Fighter, yes, yeah, Seth Fighter, and then Andy Young and Douglas and these guys. So 
Look at Minnesota just getting after it, man. Hey, I, I have said it before, and I will say it again. Minnesota, in terms of a state to – now, granted, you can't fish all year round like you can down, you know, like Kentucky, Alabama. Um, but, dang, dude, the diversity we have up here, it's no surprise to me that you're starting to see uh, an Austin Felix. Uh, oh, yeah, Austin Felix. Totally we can't forget, forget about Austin. Um, but it's no surprise to see guys – coming out of this state and actually like competing well on a national level. Um, there's, I mean, we got it all up here, man. That's why I think you should just move up to this office. Get out of that stinking Kentucky office. You'll be closer to bird hunting. You can catch walleyes. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, somebody asked me one time, which, what's the, your favorite state that you visited for your job? And the answer was Minnesota. Now, granted, there are a lot of Western states that I really would love to visit, and I feel like if I ever went there, they would probably win out, but that, that wouldn't even be for my job, right? But just for like where I've gone, <laughs> right. it, it's definitely Minnesota because, I don't know, I, I, first of all, I love to catch walleyes. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I'm a bait fisherman, and I'm not ashamed to say it. And uh, the variety of fisheries and fish species and the sheer dumbness of so many of the fish that live in Minnesota, <laughs> it makes me feel so good. At the, when I go up there and fish, because it's fairly easy to catch them, you know? I mean, I'm not putting anybody down. You, you, to win a tournament, you still got to catch them better than everybody else. I'm not saying I'm doing that. But just, I like, I'm a perch jerker at heart, and I like to catch them. <laughs> and not only do you have a diversity of species and waters and terrain, but you also have like four upland bird species. So, I mean, I know, dude, it's if only deal. I could get my wife over the winters, I think that's what's holding me back. She is not hey, a cold weather person. They've been like kind of mild the last few years. Yeah, but it's like hoodie weather here. What is it there? Uh, well, you could for sure wear a hoodie. <laughs> but I need anything it's over like, over the hoodie. It's well, yeah. You might want it. You might want another jacket on top of that. It's like thirty outside right now. Oh, the lows shoot, are, that's like, nothing. It's getting down in the upper teens, that's but it's supposed nothing. to be pretty warm. It 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 should be fine. She'd be all right. I don't know. Um, who else am I seeing? Oh, Brett Pruitt. Uh, some may recognize the name from some college FLW college fishing days. Um, and James Niggemeyer. Yeah. So we got Kobe actually like back. our Texas Kobe Krieger's back. Our Texas contingent is like pretty strong. Yeah, it's always strong. Texas uh, is is. Yeah. I don't know. I've had this conversation with people before. What's the best state to live in if you want to become a professional bass fisherman? And I don't know if I can answer it anymore because, you know, you can make a case for Alabama. You can make a case for Tennessee. You can make a case for Arkansas, for Texas. I mean, because they have such a variety of fisheries. I mean, I always thought Arkansas was the best because you've got those deep, clear reservoirs. You've got the river. You've got muddy waters. You've got grass, rivers. I mean, just so much stuff going on. Uh, but in Texas, bass fishing is at a different level. So you not only learn mm-hmm. to catch fish, but you have so much opportunity to train yourself on how to be a competitive tournament fisherman, which is a really important thing, right? Like just being able to catch fish yeah. isn't the same thing as being able to catch fish under pressure with money on the line in whatever weather conditions out there. And when you have to beat guys, you know, like Todd Castledine, you know, so yeah, Texas mm-hmm. is just a it's just a training ground, man. It's like 
you know, it's, it's no surprise that like when Shin moved to the United States, he he based in Texas. When Jay Ellis launched his career, he based in Texas. Yep. When Carl yep. Jokinson came over, I think he's still basing in Texas. So it's like there's no surprise that that's that's the place to be, and it shows when you look at the guys that are on the tour and fishing the lead series and fishing uh, at high levels in other organizations. I mean, Texas makes it happen, man. Yeah, no, no, for sure. It, uh, it's kind of, and you know, it's like, a, it's a huge state. They got oh, yeah. uh, a lot of ponds to fish in that. You no. Know and when you go to a tournament down there and you walk through the parking lot, every truck is like a $70,000 rig, you know? <laughs> so it's just cool. It is. It is. It's um, like, yeah, they all have those cattle guards on them. So they can just mow down deer if they have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't worry about it. I'm not stopping for a deer. But I think they're deer down there. Aren't they, like, real small, like, real tiny deer? Uh, I don't know, maybe. Of course, you might run into, like, a mill guy or something or one of those other weird exotic Oh, that's true. You could run into an exotic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that. Something with You ever eaten mill guy? I have heard it's fantastic. I I talked to a guy. I went down there once on a media uh, thing. We were shooting sporting clays, and uh, it was kind of like a – uh, put and take bird hunting thing. I don't know. It was, it was, it was interesting, but anyway, they had some on the property and one of the guys was talking about how some people, instead of buying beef, they would spend some money to go and kill one of those because supposedly they're fantastic to eat and the cost was about the same and, you know, it was just something a little different. So, but I've never, oh. I don't think I've ever actually had any. They also have axis deer though, which are quite delicious. I will say. Oh, see, I've never had an axis deer, but I've had Neil guy and Neil guy is, very tasty yeah that's very that's very what tasty. i've heard uh yeah oh, they have a lot of I'm interesting not... stuff going on in texas it's a it's its own little world down there <laughs> it really is um i guess on that oh randy haynes is fishing the tour again this year mm, so okay haynes okay let's talk about haynes i think jody and i had this conversation last time i was on the podcast also a great podcast by the way um, <laughs> what do you think about Haynes' chances on Kentucky Lake this year? Because it's let me let me get the date here, just so I'm 100 percent sure. It's I, like I mid-May. Know. I thought it was early May. Like, hang on. maybe it's early May. Kentucky Lake. Oh, it's May 17th through 20th. So, dude, we're if we have an early spring. I mean, obviously, water temperature isn't the only factor in when the fish get out there. There's there's other things involved, you know, water level and uh, length of day and all that stuff kind of dictating the spawn. But, dude, May 17th through 20th, there will be some fish out there. But it will be a situation where there will be other patterns in play. And if there's high water, then there's absolutely a flipping pattern in play. And right. I mean, last time we had a Costa with high water, and I think that was – Late May or early June? I don't know. It was like it's kind of a similar situation. I mean, Steve Floyd won it flipping bushes way down by like south of New Johnsonville. So anyway, I mean, Randy Haynes isn't going to put a flipping stick in his hand, right? Nor is Jason Lambert. No, He's no. the best at at this very specific type of fishing, which is ledge fishing. So I'm just curious, what do you, what do you think, man? Like from what you've seen well, covering Kentucky Lake events before? Here, I I can't say you can. I mean, you you can't count them out, right? Because it's it's Just freaking Randy Haynes. Haynes. Right. Yeah. Um, here's what I think is interesting. You know, the last tour event we had on Kentucky Lake when Lambert like almost caught a hundred pounds, yeah, he caught like twenty nine pounds. Yeah. What was interesting to me was the dynamic in that event of these guys that are really good at ledge fishing 
targeting not these big mega schools that mm-hmm. everyone has been yeah. like accustomed to finding but it's these like little one-off spots where like five to ten fish set up on yeah and that's it and you can go you can catch every single one of them and then move on but i, I feel like the thing i want to the thing i'll be really interested to follow is obviously like you talked about i really hope there's a flipping bite i hope there's some high water i would love to see that on kentucky lake uh but like haynes and lambert and rose and uh guys like that i feel like there's too many of these spots that they know they obviously know where those fish go to like set up in the summer but i feel like they know where those fish go maybe before they hit that big community hole Mm -hmm. like maybe there's like a one-off little thing they stop on and i'm sure they got some sort of milk run where um they can you know hit maybe more spots than they would in the summer because no one's on them you know there's they're they're less pressured but gosh i feel like you're going to have to keep an eye on them because even if they're fishing for like two fish per spot, I mean, if they're five pounders, six pounders, like woof. Yeah. That's the one thing I, I don't know a whole lot about. Um, like that, that weird time when you're getting close to when they all should be out, but they're not. Yeah. I just feel like Haynes, you know, like that's like you said, it's what he does. That's where he excels. And you know, he, Everyone's talking about like Jody and I talked about the flipping bite and how it'll be cool to see a different Kentucky Lake kind of, and sort of speak, or a different light of Kentucky Lake. But you know, Haynes is licking his chops. Going, oh yeah. Oh, everyone, please go to the bank. Like yep. you guys do that. Yep. Get out of my here. way. I'm tuning up yep. my graphs. I'm ready to go. I, the the yep. biggest, the biggest thing is just are the fish out yet? That's that's the biggest thing. So there there will be some fish out, but like, are they enough? Are there enough? You know that. Because you watch Jason Lambert, right? Like he doesn't just fish every waypoint. He he look he looks at the fish to see if they're ready to bite. Yes. From whatever yep. he knows that we don't know, and he makes and the he won't call. Tell us. And so right. So so what does he have? Seventy mm. schools sometimes. And, yeah. You know, easily. So he's got to be able to. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he needs that many to be able to do his program, or if he can still oh, make yeah, it okay, work. Okay. You know what I mean? Like. If yeah, yeah, I follow you. Out, can he still make it work? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he can. Maybe it's not a big deal. I, I do know, like, I watched Mark Rose uh, at that tournament that Floyd won, and he was fishing some sort of, I would call it in-between stuff, uh, where the fish were starting to move out, and some of them were really, really obvious, and some of them guys are going to fish in this tournament. But some of them were not very obvious at all, and he was super guarded about, you know, where he was and, of course, I was following him in a wrapped boat, and he was in a wrapped boat, so we were drawing some attention, but he was you know, really <laughs> trying to hide a little bit because he was catching big smallmouth and largemouth, which was really interesting, and he had a little Ooh. something that he told me about that I'm not allowed to talk about, but that was kind of a uh, – he's not – let's just say he's not the only person who's told me a similar thing that goes on that time of year where you can catch giants. So, like, a couple other okay. guys know it, too. And they don't want anybody to talk about it. It's not a secret. It's not like I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm keeping it secret because they asked me to, but it's not like super secret. But I think they know mm-hmm. how to run it better than other people. And it has to do with kind of where the bait is and, you know, where the fish first get when they leave uh, the spawning areas. So, but those spots, I don't think can take, uh, I don't think they have as big as schools. I don't, so, you know, they can probably take pressure in the sense that they'll reload a little bit, but they can't take pressure each, you know, if multiple guys are on them in a day because they're not very big schools. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There, there's a lot of dynamics there. Of course, the other issue on Kentucky Lake right now is what's going on. So it, the lake isn't fishing right. Um, 
So it'll be really interesting to see what the, the quality of the fishing is next year, just given that situation. So I don't know. I mean, we had a good spring. Catches were pretty good, if I remember correctly. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we'll find out that it's not that bad at all on the hammer. But I, I would say make sure if you're on the water, you gas up your boat because you're going to be <laughs> running. A, I think a lot of guys will probably go south and uh, get down there in the bushes. So Yeah, yeah. The, the Barkley bushes seem to be obsolete. Uh, not not fully. I mean, they still catch good limits, but it really just seems like the, the best action in the springtime has been on Kentucky and, and places south. So. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I like it. I think uh, we could probably – oh, the one – another guy I want to mention on the roster before we move on from that uh, is uh, John Hunter is fishing the tour. Uh, he last fished in 2015, won the Co-Angler of the Year Award, um, qualified for the Elites, fished them last year or last two years. That's right. Yep. Something and then like so we'll have we'll have John Hunter back. I like him. He's got his beard game is on point. Oh, I okay. That. He's got a good <laughs> he's got a good beard. Uh so I appreciate that. So it'll be cool to have John back on. There's a bunch of other guys that we'll mention uh later on as we get closer. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But if you want to see the whole list, FLWfishing.com, place to be, check it out. So <clears throat> from there, I think Kurt we should maybe talk about – I think we should talk about some Christmas gifts. Mm. Only because, I mean, it's only like – it's like a week and some change away. So hopefully, if you're listening to this, you've done some Christmas shopping. Or if if people are buying gifts for you, you've at least given them some thought as to what you'd like. But if not, uh, I thought maybe you and I could just kind of share a few things that, you know, maybe we think it would be kind of a cool gift to get. Absolutely. Well, and just to throw it out there, there is an article on the website uh, that Jody and uh, Jesse Schultz worked on together. And I think mostly Jody, because I think he's the, the guy who has the most tackle in hand throughout the typical season. Um, <laughs> right. Jody's like the, he would be the hardest bass fisherman to shop for because he has everything. But, maybe, yes. you know, tackle warehouse gift card, you can never go wrong there. But, oh, no. But, but he makes some good suggestions and uh, some rods and reels and a bunch of different categories and, uh, you know, bunch of different price points and, and stuff like that. I kind of worked on a, a, a draft of a similar type of article, but uh, I don't know if it's kind of getting late to run it and uh, I never really wrapped it up. But um, I had a couple interesting things, Well, what I thought were interesting. Like this year I, I got uh, hooked up with a pair of L.L. Bean Upland hunting boots, which I know, I know, I know. It's it's a fishing thing, right? But So anyway, the, but the boots, they're fantastic, okay? They're super light, and what okay. they have is that BOA system on them. Uh, Ooh, so that's like the, the deal. Yeah, they're like the technical kangaroo upland boots, I think is what they're called. But they have this boa system, which is like a, it's like a ratcheting, crank down, buckle thing that ha- instead of laces, it uses wires. Well, dude, I had no idea just how lazy I was until I got these boots. Right, <laughs> like tying your shoes? No, no, I'm never doing that again. No way. You just you just uh, put your foot in, click it down, and crank it until it's tight. And then when you're ready to take it off, you just pull it up, and it's instantly loose, and you can slide your foot right out. It's amazing. And, and my little daughter, she loves it. She comes over every time she sees me putting them on, and she wants to play with the little crank. So you see, you keep your kids occupied. <laughs> you got comfortable. Hey, shoes. now you're talking. Yeah, they're waterproof. So yeah, I, I'll have mine on. I put a lot of miles on them this fall, but I'll have mine on at those first few tournaments of the year or when it's rainy and that kind of crap. So 
Yeah, are they are they warm? Like for the guys that do fish in the winter, spring, or late fall, like well, are they insulated? Here's the thing: I don't wear insulated boots all that often anymore uh, because they just make my feet sweat. I'm more a fan of of uh, high quality socks. So ah, I got um, now that being said, like when I growing up in Ohio, I had insulated boots, and if I lived there now, I'd have insulated boots. And if I was a deer hunter, I would because you're just sitting there. Um, mm-hmm. But like. Honestly, I think they might have a tiny bit of insulation or it's the way the the Gore-Tex liner or whatever inside them is built because they do feel a little warmer than my other ones, but they're not like they're not like heavily insulated for super cold weather, no. Gotcha, gotcha. But I mean, I don't know. I think keeping your feet dry and having shoes that breathe so that if your feet do get sweaty, sweaty they don't get clammy, to me isn't more important. Uh, so throw on like a nice pair of like light merino wool socks, or if it's really cold, like a midweight or heavyweight, and I think you'd probably be good. I, I do want to like the, they need an probably if you try them on. I mean, you know, check them out, but you know, you might want to consider an insole. I do feel like the insole's a little little firm in it, but uh, I, I love them so far. Like I'm a convert from traditional leather, like heavy soled work boots to today's more like performance lightweight boots that fit a little more like a tennis shoe and, you know, just easier to walk ah, all day. Yeah, and that's, yeah, okay. You know, they, these look traditional, but they're really built more like the, uh, that more modern shoe style. Uh, so that's one. Other than that, I mean, I don't know. I, we, you know, we, uh, we just worked on an article for the magazine. It's, it's not like a product review. It's more of like a roundup of what, what we thought were the most interesting trends in new tackle and new product development uh, here in like the last six months, basically since ICAST. And so it's not like a full list of everything new. It's just pointing out some of the more interesting trends. Like like in topwater baits, there's a ton of baits that have that are designed to fish with like a straight retrieve, kind of like the whopper plopper. And mm-hmm. so I wrote a little article about that and about uh, you know how some of those baits have picked up on the that plopper style of action. Uh, like uh, I think it's Greenfish is making a, a uh, like a rig. That has a plopper style blade, but you put a toad on it, so it's just a little something different. So, you, but you can fish it through heavier cover, so that's kind of cool. Oh. And you know, like the you did that video review on the Lunker Hunt frogs uh, that have the little prop bait on them. Yeah, they're prop series. Yep. And even like that tackle frog that's blowing up like crazy. I mean, that's really not a whole lot different in action than like what a whopper plopper is. It's a straight retrieve deal, but it's weedless and it's got a frog body. And honestly, like if you want to, you know, make a fisherman on your list happy, that thing is hot right now. And uh, I think everybody would like to give it a shot if they haven't already. So, I mean, as far as baits go, that stuff's cool. Um, we we got a Yeti bag in for this article, and I, I'm gonna do. Well, I'm probably gonna have to rustle somebody to get it, but I'm gonna do. I wanted an actual review. Like, I want to set it up and put it through the paces. Like, I'm talking launching it off some bluff walls into the lake, you know, because right, this thing right. looks like it's, it, it looks like you could throw a grenade in it and it would go off, and then you just open up the bag and there'd be all the pieces of the grenade. I mean, it's so heavy built. Uh, and if you think about everything Yeti makes, I mean, it's all designed to drive over it with a truck or like to throw it after, throw it to a bear with a stake in it. You know? <laughs> for, for um, sure. <laughs> but this thing's is super heavy duty. But I haven't had a chance to really put it through the paces yeah i want to do it for an article for the website so i think we should we need to set up some sort of torture test maybe bring it up during like ice fishing season we'll like drag it behind a a snowmobile across the ice like yeah we'll rip it across the lake for a while yeah and see what this thing can do they're really expensive but my my issue is so i I have a a waterproof bag i've been using to cover the tour the last few years and i use it during hunting season some and it like the material has started to because of the 
whatever they put on the material to make it waterproof, it kind of tends to crack and stuff a little bit. And so, mm. you know, I've used it for like two, maybe three seasons. I'm going to have to replace it. If I got the same one, I'd have to replace it in a couple more years. If this Yeti bag is as tough as I think it is, I mean, you spend a little more money, you won't have to replace it as often. Throw it in the bed of your truck if you're going hunting or, you know, throw it in the boat with the, you know, clothes and whatever you take in, you know, your emergency gear if you're out fishing and not have to worry about it getting wet. I mean, it's, it just seems impossible to keep everything completely dry in a boat, but throw it in something like that and you'd, you'd be all right. So, uh, uh-huh. I don't know. I'm not much of a Christmas gift buyer. I feel like I, I just don't know good ideas. I, I just, uh, I don't know. That's not my deal during Christmas. Uh, I just like to do the family thing and, yeah. and enjoy it. So I, I, I'm one of those guys I, that I, if I, I want it for myself, I just buy it for me. I think everybody should do the same and then we don't have to buy each other gifts. <laughs> That's 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 kind of how I roll. Now I will say, um, I'll throw two things that aren't necessarily uh, like super uh, fishing related, but I think they're super sweet. Number one is a pair of seal skin socks. You told me about these, and I keep forgetting to buy a pair. Dude, the things are legit. So if you don't know what seal skin socks are, they are waterproof socks, and I'm talking like a hundred percent waterproof. They're breathable. Um, and they actually, they make like lightweight layers and like heavyweight. I think I have the midweight ones and they keep my feet so toasty warm, but, uh, I got them last year for Christmas and I wore them at Cumberland, uh, the Cumberland tour event this year and Beaver Lake when it was absolutely pouring rain. It rained all year. And, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much anytime it rained, I wore them. Now I did have a pair of, uh, the Columbia Force shoes that are waterproof, yeah. but they're just tennis shoes. Like so, them. like, when I was sitting down running and my rain bibs would slide up and I had, you know, there's, like, that lower part of your shin to your ankle, like, water's just pouring in on me. My feet were bone dry at the end of the day. Hmm. Uh, I wore them around. Last year, I went on an ice fishing trip and trekked around outside. Like, you know, you go outside to take a take a bathroom break. Or uh, maybe you got to grab a, a nice cold beverage from outside. Diet Coke. Uh, but I was walking around in the snow. Yeah, a Diet Coke or a, a Sprite maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was walking around out in the snow on the ice uh, with them. I'd come back inside. The the snow would melt off my sock. My feet never got wet. you didn't wet. Have They never got cold. Just in the seal skins? Or, is that what they're called? Seal yeah, dude. Really? Yeah, seal skins. Wow. Yep. Uh, at their... I'm talking, they're, they're like 50 bucks for a pair of socks. And you're like, whoa, my gosh. But I have worn them a lot. They seem super durable. Uh, but like, if you don't like having wet feet, I would highly recommend getting a pair of seal skins because these things are the deal. What are, they? are they neoprene? Are they real seal skin? Like, what are they made out of? <laughs> I, you know, I guess I haven't, like, it feels like there's like an, some sort of like a neoprene or some sort of liner between the fabric on the sock. Huh. Um, cause they, they are like a little more rigid than, yeah. you know, like a normal wool sock so you, you or something. You have to buy them like to, to your size. It's not just like large, medium, small. Do you have to get like your actual shoe size or, uh, they do. Well, I think they do go like large, medium, um, but they have like a sizing chart on yeah, their website right. that tells you like what, it, what it correlates with. Yeah. I mean, um, you basically can take a pair of water, non-waterproof shoes and they're waterproof now. And so, yeah. So like if you're going to go fishing and and you like wearing shoes, yeah, for sure. Like I hate getting wet feet when you're fishing in the summer, like early spring, it's going to rain. Maybe you throw your seal skins on and they make like 
uh, you know, tall pair, like hiking, like, you know, like a mid height, they make a low sock, they make, uh, they got all kinds of stuff, but seal skins would be my for sure. Uh, maybe it's your Christmas present to yourself. Yes. You know, uh, I feel like I've heard of these. I like them. I mean, you told me about them once before and I kind of forgot, but uh, I, th- I feel like one time somebody wrote an article with Dave Lefebvre as a source and it was about fishing in cold weather. And I, I'm not kidding. I'm pretty sure he said he wears something like that, like seal skins or a similar type product with sandals because he said he never wore shoes. And I'm like, Hey, come on now. Are you, are you really? That's a little aggressive. But, but hey, maybe based on your uh, description, maybe that's really what he did. And he just, you know, whatever. <laughs> I know uh, on the, like on the sealskin website, they have like a lot of photos of like guys going hiking and stuff, wearing the sock with sandals over them. Like, classy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was in, whatever you're into. Sorry, I cut you off again. Bad habit. No, please. Well, go I on. was looking. At, I was shopping yesterday for a gift exchange. I, I needed to find something that would satisfy. I was in a sporting goods store. I needed to find something that would satisfy the people in uh, my wife's side of the family that some like to hunt and fish and some don't. So my first inkling was just to buy like ammo or something for something I like to do, and then it's a dirty Santa thing, and then try and get it back for myself. I thought oh. that was a little too greedy. <laughs> so, but I, sure. I, I was looking at the socks. I'm like, everybody can use merino wool socks. Some of the the, the just the name brand merino wool socks they're 30 or 40 bucks a pair just for just for like wool socks so 50 bucks for that yeah, yeah. that doesn't seem too bad no i i think they're uh they're doable i'm probably gonna buy me another pair uh i might maybe that'll be my own christmas gift to myself oh, actually now that i think about do it. that <laughs> hey speaking of so uh, it was a cabela's well it is easy cabela's is sure. the store i went into i'm gonna go off on a tangent here because i, I want to share this story before i forget around time so i was in the kansas city cabela's on the way home from my hunting trip yesterday and i love cabela's and other sporting stores to let you do this because they let you bring your dog in they're pet friendly and so i had mm-hmm. zap my he's six and a half months old he's a german short-haired pointer and he just spent four days hunting and he did a good job and so i thought I'm going to reward the young young fella, and I'm going to take him into Cabela's. Well, Zap's a slightly <laughs> timid dog, so he's a little bit scared of things like doors. And uh, <laughs> so we get to the door. You know, like real front. Yes, things. yeah, yeah. They're, well, they're big doors, dude. They're really large in the front. There's a bunch of That's them. True. That's so true. So first of all, he's scared to go through the door, and I drag him in. And then there's a guy in there greeting everybody, which, by the way, looks like a really fun job. Um, and he wanted to <laughs> check him out. And so Zap piddled a little bit on the floor and I acted like I didn't see it. It was like two drops. It wasn't like he peed on the floor, but he was, you know, he does, that's what puppies do. And the guy's like, ah, don't worry about it. Well, so their, their whole floor is like all the aisles are tiled. And then in between the, the tiled aisles where all the, the stuff is, it's carpeted. For some reason, the dog was afraid of the tile. He did not want to walk on the tile. So I'm like, dragging him through the store <laughs> until he sees an opportunity where he's close enough to the carpet. And then he then he gets on the carpet and he wants to like pull me along. Well, first of all, then we, we ran into some uh, woman who was shopping one of those little motorized uh, carts. And she's she's loving on the dog. Like she's, she's baby talking him more than I've ever seen anybody baby talk any other living being in my life. She actually reaches down, picks up his legs and pulls him into her lap. This dog weighs like 50 pounds now. You know, so she's pulling him into her lap, and she grabs his, I'm not lying, she grabs with both hands his cheek skin and is shaking his face and kissing him on the face. And I'm like, this is getting a little heavy here. Come on now. 
Yeah. So I'm like, I'm trying to drag her away and drag Zap away from her. And she's just loving him and loving him. And so that was interesting. And then, then he, <laughs> he dies underneath. I'm about to go back on the tile. And he dies underneath a clothing rack because he doesn't want to go back on the, on the tile. And he puts the brakes on and just lays down. And this woman walks by and she gives me this weird look. And I'm like, don't worry. He's just afraid of the tile. No big deal. <laughs> and she's like, well, I didn't know what that was. And it's like, yeah, he, he, he doesn't like the tile. He doesn't like the carpet. And she says, well, why don't you just carry him? I was like, he weighs 50 pounds. I'm not going to carry him around the store. <laughs> so I put him back in the truck, and I went in and did my shopping. But I just love – dogs just make everything more interesting. They they do. That is not – never been a doubt in my mind. See, what other podcast wow, can believe... you get Cabela's dog stories? Just this one. That, yeah, I'm going to say this is about it right here. Yeah. Um, uh, that's probably good for Christmas gift ideas. Like I said, if you haven't bought any yet, I mean, it's probably too late. So just get a tackle warehouse yeah, gift, card gift card and you're good. Get an FLW gift card. Oh yeah. You can buy some sweet clothing from, uh, from our shop. So I just got yeah, an email. That's always We've got cool. this cool new zip up, uh, FLW hoodie. It's kind of like a, uh, I don't know if it's like OD green or whatever they call it or some kind of green color. I like it. I'm gonna have to go check one of those. Oh yeah. That thing is yeah. cool. I may have to, uh, I don't know, have to see if I can uh, add that to my own Christmas list. Yeah, maybe maybe just go in the back room and see if you can just find one that's laying off around. the shelf. See, I wasn't yeah, going to go there because yeah, like, now, now there's evidence of my, now it's a conspiracy, but. Oh, crap, crap. <laughs> never mind, never mind. Um, okay, so we talked about some gift stuff. Uh, I was going to do technique chat, honestly. I kind of feel like we should just talk about like cool hunting, fun life stuff. Um, I do have to say though, uh, before we go on, uh, the <laughs> email MVP himself, uh, Mark Blackstad from Forest Lake, Minnesota, uh, who is legit the email uh, MVP. Uh, love hearing from you, Mark. He sent Jody and I an email about last week. We talked about jerk baiting. And like kind of like stuff Jody does down in Kentucky and some stuff I do up here for small mouse. Um, and I apologize. I will respond to your email, Mark, but I did want to give you a shout out because you mentioned uh, being around toothy critters. Uh, and he wanted to know if uh, I've ever tried using like a uh, tieable titanium or heavier line, like a braid or bigger floral or something um, to help protect your jerk baits. And I have Mark, I have used, Tieable titanium, um, usually like about a, eh, about like an eight inch long stretch of it. Now, Kurt, have you ever, um, like back in the walleye day? I don't know if uh, did anyone ever do anything with tieable titanium uh, with you, or have you ever used it? No, I've only used it musky fishing, and honestly, uh, I, I mean, not the tieable stuff though, because I think everyone in musky fishing buys a pre-made titanium leader or makes one like in the shop. Like I don't think they're Maybe they are. I mean, I'm not up on modern musky techniques, but that's the way we did it. The few times that I went, we just bought pre-made oh, okay. uh, uh, titanium. You know, the walleye guys were so, uh, you know, concerned about uh, like the low intrusive presentations and stuff that they went with really, really light line. I think they just assumed that pike bite-offs were going to be an issue. Um, so, no, I mean, I really don't have any experience with it. I think that's just how Rapala sells so many X wraps is that the pike bite them off all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, 
but I, I will say to Mark or anyone else that deals with toothy critters, um, I use the Terminator titanium is the, the one I'm most familiar, familiar with. And it's super cool. Cause you can tie, uh, like a clinch knot or an Albright knot, uh, with it. It's super kink proof. Um, it's like really, really, um, I mean, titanium obviously is really flexible, but this stuff is like, I don't think it hurts the action of the jerk bait. I don't think you, uh, I don't really think you catch maybe any less fish cause you can run like a pretty small diameter. Um, like they make it like 20 pound might be the lowest. I think I use 30, uh, just cause I'm, I don't know. I, 20 scares me, but it's super thin. Uh, but it's really cool stuff. So for sure I have tried braid. You'll totally get bit through, uh, especially the big stuff. Uh, fluoro, I think you'd hurt the action of the jerkbait too much if you went to heavier fluorocarbon. Uh, but Tybalt Titanium definitely is the deal uh, for that. And maybe that should be something – maybe that should be like an article idea. That's actually a pretty good point. How to like, deal with how sluice to avoid snakes. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I like sluice yeah. snakes. That's a good, that's a good call. Um, but, yeah, we'll – I'll respond back to you, Mark, um, in the email. So if anyone else has any questions – Hit us up because I'm willing to share knowledge along with Kurt or Jody. Yeah. We're all, we're just full Don't hit me up for jerkbait. We need to jerk tell bait people. Content. I'm not a good jerkbait fisherman. Uh, I just don't do it enough because I have very little confidence in it. Most of the time I want to throw a jerkbait, I feel like I could catch them on some type of swim bait potentially. Now, if uh, I lived in Minnesota or if I, if I lived up north anywhere and was fishing for small mouths, I could get behind that because my issue with the jerkbait is I I never can slow myself down as much as I think I need to in order to be effective. But with smallmouth, oh, yeah. I mean, it's usually a really erratic presentation. I could get behind that, like ripping that sucker through, fishing fishing up high with it or whatever the case is. Like, I could get behind some of that. I think that would be more my, my speed. But uh, the guys... Just that, another reason you got to come up here and, yeah, and live Yeah, here. I keep talking myself into it. I think I'm going to go pack. <laughs> Honey, we're going. Yeah, just <laughs> hop in the truck. We're heading north. Uh, so speaking of north, uh, let's talk about shooting stuff. Yes. Let's talk about Is the season. Because, and here's why it's a great thing to talk about. A lot of our tour pros spend this time of year hunting something. A lot of them are deer hunters. There's a lot of deer hunters. Uh, a lot of guys chase birds, though. Uh, myself... Uh, I'm a bird hunter. You're a bird hunter. Though I do love eating deer. Oh, it's delicious. So that's where I, that's where I mooch off my buddies uh, to get venison. It's also very healthy um, for you. It is. It's hashtag organic. Exactly. I think I'm actually tonight. Um, I have thought out a. I have a pack of ground venison i think i'm gonna make me some sort of like pasta dish Ooh. with it yeah and then i think tomorrow night we're having some uh some duck tacos really so it's a very oh yeah oh oh i'm I'm getting hungry just talking about it you know I, it's a it's a good wild game week in the yeah definitely uh i could deer hunt right behind my house and we have a lot of deer right there at the house and uh Every year, well, I mean, every year, I've lived there for two hunting seasons now, and I, I keep saying that my goal is to, to try and harvest a couple of does because my wife really loves venison. I really love venison. It's healthy. 
we eat a lot of it when we have it. Like we, I would usually grind a lot of it up and we would put mm-hmm. it in everything. And like, I don't even mix fat with it. Like a lot of people will, I, I'm not worried about mixing any fat with it unless I was trying to make like a meatloaf or a burger. And then I would, but we put it oh, in sure. like tacos, lasagna, um, stuffed peppers. I mean, just anything. Ooh, and, uh, yeah. I, I love the flavor. I love the texture. I mean, yeah. And it's, a lot cheaper than buying beef. You know where it comes from. That's important to me, and uh, and I enjoy the whole process. Like, you know, of like I, I butcher my deer myself, so I, you know I enjoy that whole process. the The problem is I don't enjoy sitting in the in the woods. It's just it doesn't keep my attention. Like, you know, that's one thing about like fishing. It's like you're active. You're doing something, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it holds my attention. But deer hunting just doesn't, and I, I just do not get antler crazy either like some guys do like i, I sort of wish i did oh, yeah. because western kentucky is a premier area of the country for deer hunting we have a huge population we have a lot of big deer uh, we have very generous uh, harvest limits on deer basically you can just keep buying tags and you can you can get as many as you want i mean i there's a uh, a guy who's working here uh, i think he's just part-time right now his name's ryan he's a murray state graduate and this is before rifle season started. He had already harvested, I don't remember what he said. Well, he and his buddy combined, I think they'd harvest 10 or 12 or something like that deer. I don't know. Dang. But that's not ridiculous down here. I mean, of course, we're not, the deer aren't what you guys have up north. Like one deer in the north country is going to go a little further because they're giant animals. <laughs> but still, like, you know, he, he eats it, his family eats it, and so, you know, they, it's not going to waste, and it doesn't even put a dent in the population hardly because there's so many deer. Uh, but, but I just, it doesn't hold my attention, and, you know, if I wake up on a Saturday morning and I want I don't have anything to do, I'm either going to do something with the dogs or with my daughter or my wife or get chores done or go fishing, and I just can't motivate myself to go and sit in the woods right now i don't have buddies like you though that are so generous with their venison what the heck uh yeah yeah um well i get kind of lucky because some of them harvest a few deer uh, and then they're you know a little more willing to pass them on down down to lonely old kyle um heck some of them i legit like i've swiped some deer from some buddies you know i'm not gonna lie right like oh man hey let me go get another beer out of the fridge and then you peek in the freezer and you're like, man, that's, that's like, they got too much deer. Let me just, now I tell them about it. And then I usually, you know, give them some walleye fillets or something. Oh yeah. To make See, up that's a good it. trade. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can usually find some sort of a agreement uh, for that. I just, I never had the gene in my body to like, my dad was never a, a deer hunter. I got nothing against like going deer hunting, but I'm kind of with you. Like, Oh, I could go sit somewhere for a while or I could go like take my dog and go hunting and watch it do stuff. And that's like a little more enjoyable than sitting around. Now it's funny because I love to turkey hunt and a lot of turkey hunting involves just sitting there, but also like you're calling to them. They're gobbling. Like there's a little more interaction going on. And I'll be fair. Like I, I, I'm not, I, I totally understand. Like a lot of guys get into deer hunting so much because it's a much bigger process than just sitting in the woods. We're we're kind of making light of the fact that there's scouting yeah. involved. There's there's habitat management going on. Guys are putting in a lot of time, you know, uh, taking care of their property and improving what's there 
for not just deer, but for a lot of wildlife. And the one thing I miss the most about deer hunting is like the deer camp scenario. But because I used to hunt with a few guys in Ohio and then I had a buddy uh, here in Kentucky that I hunted with a little, and that was like that social aspect of it. I really enjoyed like celebrating a, a successful day. That's, that's a lot of fun, but it just, uh, I, I'm just so drawn to the bird hunting now that it, it's hard for me to put that aside for any reason and, uh, to do anything else. And pretty much I just save all my energy and focus for that. Uh, now I will say Kyle, and you need, you need to keep this in mind next year. Uh, I've grilled some sharp tail breasts here uh, a couple times. We, we were able to get a handful mm-hmm. of sharp tails mm-hmm. in Nebraska earlier this year, hunting up in the sand hills. And a sharp tail breast cooked uh, like kind of medium rare, even a touch more rare than that, I believe tastes remarkably similar to like a, a venison tender, or venison backstrap, basically. And really? it's actually my new favorite game bird to eat. I would take a, a sharp tail over a pheasant any single day of the week. And those of you out there oh. who are pheasant hunter are probably thinking I'm crazy. And if you've eaten sharp tail and you think it was disgusting, I almost guarantee you cooked it wrong. You cannot overcook it or else it ruins it. You got to cook it medium rare and you got to, you can't be afraid of a little bit of pink in the middle or even a little too much you know, pink in the middle. It's kind of like a duck. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I, I, the same thing with duck. Anyone who doesn't like duck, you overcooked it. Just straight up, yep. you ruin it. Because I can grill a duck breast, uh, like you said, medium rare, maybe even airing on the side of rarer, and like with basically no seasoning on it. I think it's freaking delicious. Yeah, I, I put like, olive I, oil, a little kosher <clears throat> salt, and a little black pepper on it, and uh, I flip it a couple times. Um, but oof, yeah, it's it's good stuff. Like I mean, but I like I like uh, the the redder. Uh, meated birds, I guess is the way you pronounce it or say it. Like, like I really like doves, and I don't like a lot of guys just throw, oh, yeah. you know, jalapeno and cream cheese and bacon on it. When I'm eating jalapeno, cream cheese, and bacon, I like my dove breasts <laughs> just sauteed in a skillet with some onions. That's the way I like to eat them. Um, I like duck. I haven't had a lot of different types of duck. I know some of the fish eaters are a little different, so people don't like them. But I haven't had many of those. But like, like teal, wood duck. Uh, mallard i've had all those they're all fantastic um woodcock is super dark a lot of guys don't like it i haven't cooked a lot of woodcock but what the ones i have i've really i've really enjoyed um but there are some interesting ways you can roast them and things that guys do so my issue i don't have any issue with the pheasant i've I've got a couple in the cooler right now that i'm going to eat this week but um it it just doesn't have as interesting a flavor there's not as much going on with it as there is with a sharp tail and uh I just think the sharp tail has such a nice flavor and so oh, it's just a it's a great piece of meat. And uh the ones we we got in N- Nebraska, you know, they were on sort of like rangeland, you know, they were eating rose hips and uh wild seeds and st- like uh, wild sunflower seeds and stuff like that. The sharp tails I got in Nebraska a few years ago, they were all eating alfalfa and I, I wish I had one like could do a side-by-side taste test cuz you know, you kind of are what you what you eat. And I I think like right. the ones I killed in Nebraska probably if they were gonna, one was gonna be better than the other, that'd be it. But I don't know. But I, all I know is, it's a very good bird, and I really enjoy hunting them hmm. because uh, while they can be difficult to get close to, they're not the most difficult bird to actually shoot once it's in the air. And I I struggle a little bit on you know actually hitting <laughs> what I'm shooting. You need at. that. <laughs> so you know they make me feel good about myself sometimes. 
Oh, okay. Well, see, that's that's good. I've never uh, I've never had the pleasure of harvesting a sharp tail. However, it now sounds like you need to come up to my North Dakota house uh, next September. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yep, and then we'll go sharp tail hunting around there because I did almost run one over with my truck <laughs> when I went up there in November uh, to kind of like winterize the house and close her down for the year. Yeah, so it's uh, I know they're around there. It's on my list. And I, it's on my list. And you've told me uh, that you you enjoyed eating them. I, I like I said, I've never well, I've seen them. I've never shot one. I've never eaten one. And uh, I think your word is good enough for me to. Invite you on up. We'll go do. Well, I don't know, we'll call it like a brainstorming weekend or something. You can I don't just know. call it sharp tail. We'll go. Okay, cool. <laughs> hey, we'll take a boat. There's a lot of water in North Dakota. There's some great fishing. That's true. We can go catch some walleyes on Devil's See, Lake. Now you got me hooked. It's usually in September. Oh. It's going to be too hot for the dogs. You know, by lunchtime anyway. So what do you do in the afternoon? You either scout or you go fishing. Yeah, I'm I'm down for the cast and blast. Theory. Yeah, I hunted North Dakota a few years ago, just me and the pup, my my first dog, Dean, and uh, he and I slept in a tent together, and we we uh, roughed it, and it was just the two of us. And for two days, I saw a couple, I saw two sharp tails, but that for two days, I never even had an opportunity. And then we finally figured it out, and we were able to get some birds, and it was uh, that was my first hunting trip with a, like a dog of my own so that was a, that was a pretty big deal and uh i remember getting there on opening morning and I, I was sitting next to the field like an hour before daylight because i just assumed opening day up on hunting season and place would be packed turns out nobody, people everywhere yeah. not, nobody gives a rat's rear end about sharp tails in north dakota they're like we got pheasants and no, cows dude man. what do we need that for <laughs> yeah, deer, walleye, pheasant, and cow. That's right. Oh yeah, they, and they, that's about all. I you think need. they got like elk and antelope. Well, I know they have antelope, uh, pronghorns. You know, they got. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love North Dakota. Boy, do I love North Dakota. Man, I do too. I uh, I wish I I haven't been pheasant hunting up. Well, actually, I haven't even been to North Dakota. Uh, bought that house out there this year, so next year I will be out there multiple times but uh it is a pretty sweet state i like it too because it's uh well it's like kansas or nebraska or south dakota like you get out into parts of it and you're not entirely sure that there are people <laughs> that live there's out signs there. that they've been there but yeah you don't always see any yeah and i i'm i'm okay with that because i i don't do i don't do busy yeah. towns i'm not i ain't about that yeah life. and in those little small communities that you do come across the people are so friendly. I found that to be the case pretty much throughout the Plain States, you know, the, especially in small towns. They're just hardworking people. Uh, you know, they uh, – every little town has a little, like, convenience store type thing. They sell some gas, some diesel. They might sell you, yep, like, yep. some appliance parts. Uh, they might sell groceries. I've seen some of the most interesting little stores. They got some sporting yeah, goods. Yeah, because, you know, you – you got to drive so dang far to get to any kind of specialty store. So if you need something in a pinch, you know, they, they carry a little bit of everything. And um, some of them look like the inventory has been on their shelves for 30 years. But those are some of the <laughs> most interesting finds, you know. Uh, but I, I love that part of the country. I, North Dakota, the roads are better than in Kansas. I will say that. I just came back from Kansas. And well, you hunted out there with us last year. 
and after ice mm-hmm. storm, the roads were a little sketchy because they don't believe in this thing called gravel. They just drive on dirt. <laughs> and yeah, no, it's just it, <laughs> it's the weirdest. Yeah, thing. but in North Dakota, it's gravel roads for the most part. You can definitely get off them, and I'm sure if you get further west, way out into the sticks, you can definitely get off of them. But where I've been, it's been uh, easier to get around and tremendous public opportunities through their their uh, plots program, their private lands open to sportsmen deal. I'm a huge fan. So, and yeah, no, they do. They do a great job. Yeah, of that and stuff. and this is something that I've told people who who don't bird hunt who are like, well, dude, why do you drive all the way up there to do that? Like, I don't understand it. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Like, if you if you're the kind of person who drives all the way across country to go bass fishing, you you understand it's the same same thing. Like, you know, I love the dogs and I love the country and I love all that living out of the truck, but. It's really similar, the way I bird hunt is really similar to the way, like, tournament-style fishermen bass fish, which is, you, you know, you've got a map. Like, so usually in these states, they, they print, uh, it's called a hunting atlas. Kyle, you know this, but for people who don't, they print a hunting atlas that shows for you sure. where all the public land is. And I kind of treat it the same way I would a, a lake map. You know, it shows me everything that's out there, and you see things that have potential, but the only way to know if they're really good is to go look at them, right? So it's kind of like in practice, you know, mm-hmm. you go out there and you're covering water, you're looking to see, like, what's the structure look like? Where's the bait? What's the water temperature? I do the exact same thing, only it's things like where's water, where's food, where's the right kind of cover, uh, you know, yep, yep. Uh, where's protection from avian predators, you know, where, where are there some shelter belts. You're looking for all these different ingredients, and then you kind of try and find that pattern. And, you know, some birds are easier to pattern than others. You know, pheasants, they like corn, and they like tall grass. And so you find those close together. You pretty much you're, you're going to find birds, but you know sharp tails are a yep. little a little more particular. They're a native bird, so they have kind of a specific thing they're after. Although they've definitely adapted to eating wheat and corn, other grain and stuff. But I hunt them the same way I, I bass fish. I just hit the pavement. I'll burn a half a tank of gas a day driving around, and I don't stop until I see a spot that looks good. It's like the Brian Thrift style of bass fishing applied to bird For hunting, sure. and that's what I love about it. Like it's it's so active, you know. And you, you hustle around, you're living out of the truck, you know, all your food's in the cooler, the dogs, everybody's dusty and dirty, and then you find a field and you get out there and you try and make it happen. And I just, I don't know, I, I absolutely love uh, that style of a hunting trip. So I'm with you, man. I, and I love the analogy of, like, kind of the fishing side of it because I, I think there are a lot of people that are like, man, that seems kind of dumb right like why are you doing it but yeah if you love to fish and you do all kinds of crazy trips like it's the same principle right. and, and and you know people some people think well why would you drive all the way to north i mean it's a two day it's a long two days of driving for me to get out to like where i hunted in western north dakota i was just west of the river and uh the missouri river you know it's kind of the dividing line in the dakotas and uh to go out there and just shoot a handful of birds like i think some people apply they they, they sort of relate size of animal to like uh, the worth of a trip, you know? So like if you, if you shoot a deer, you get a lot of venison, you, you kill a limit of pheasants or a limit of sharp tails. It's not, it's, it's three meals, you know, that's all it is. But, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, like, do you think the same thing about catching bass? Like why not go try and catch a tuna? You know, it's, it's, there's more to it. Like, you know what I mean? There's, <laughs> right. there's a different reward in it for me. And now for me, it's mostly about the dogs and seeing them work and, uh, this young German short hair I've got, you know, we were just out. This was his second hunting trip. I, we hunted in Kansas, just the two of us, last month. And then I, I met up with uh, Chad Love, who's our assistant managing editor for the magazine, uh, on this this most recent trip. 
but uh, he's done really, really the well. Jinx. The Jinx. The, is his new nickname. He is, well, no. Yeah. Okay, I'll get into that in a minute. But he, uh, okay, you sorry, know, sorry. this young puppy's just done so good. He's only six and a half months old. He'll be seven months old on Christmas Eve, I think that's right. And he's got a lot of natural skill. Like, I don't know. I don't even feel like I've taught him anything. He just does it. Like, I taught him how to jump in a kennel and how to, like, come to me when I call. Most of the time, not always. <laughs> Uh, you know, and how to not pee on the floor in the house. And that's about it. And uh, he is so much fun to watch work, a, especially like working a running pheasant. It takes a lot of skill uh, to be able to work a running pheasant. Kyle, your dad has a fantastic pheasant dog, so you know how, how it is. But, yes. you know, pheasants yes. run like crazy. So you have a pointing dog that stops, and his instinct is to stand and, and point, not literally point, but, you know, stand when he, he smells a game bird. And that bird has already taken off running, and that dog has to learn to relocate and point it again, and sometimes three or four or five times, without pressuring that bird into flying out of range, which takes a lot of experience. And this dog is starting to figure For that out. Sure. So uh, it's so cool to see these light bulbs going off. Uh, it is, yeah. isn't it? It's kind of like, uh, well, I guess I don't have any kids, but I'd imagine it'd be the same thing, like, you know, your daughter's starting to figure things out and, like, do stuff, and you're like, huh. Look at that. Look at yeah, her go. You know what? She's never found a pheasant for me yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Chad, Chad Love is the curse. And I don't know if he'll listen. I'm, I'm not even going to tell him about the podcast. I don't know. I, I told him I didn't ever want to see him again. I didn't I didn't really mean it, but I kind of mean it. <laughs> so he and I hunted together. You don't want to ever see him again on a hunting trip. Right. So. Okay. There you go. So he and I hunted together yeah, in yeah. Kansas for the early prairie chicken season. And he never, never shot a bird. I managed to get one, which I was very proud of because they're they're very challenging birds. And then we hunted together in Nebraska, and I got I think five sharp tails and had a couple other opportunities. And he never had a single opportunity. And then <laughs> I hunted Kansas alone and had a pretty good hunt for quail and pheasants. And he hunted the Oklahoma quail opener and never shot a bird. And randomly gets back to his truck and there's a dead quail laying by his truck and he had like somebody literally drove by and threw it at his truck is what he thinks like they <laughs> knew they felt bad for him and so <laughs> this most recent trip and kyle i haven't told you everything that went down on this most recent trip but i left the house at 4 30 on saturday morning and i drove all the way out there and it's like 10 and a half hours to where i was hunting and i drove straight to the field i wanted to hunt and i'm in the field like a little after three and legal quitting time it's like 5 11 or something like that and uh, it's a pretty good, it's like a half-section field, so 320 acres. And uh, so that's a lot for one dude and a six-and-a-half-month-old six puppy to hunt for two hours. So we spent the whole rest of the evening there, and I ended up at that point in two roosters, and I got both of them, and he pointed a hen. Uh, he can't shoot the hens. And then uh, he was getting birdie on a little cluster of prairie chickens, and he just got a little too close, and they got up. But we found all these birds in just the last two hours and managed to get two pheasants which is pretty good for two hours of hunting to get two pheasants cool Heck and i'm yeah. thinking based on that in like the last couple of days i spent out there on my last trip i'm thinking this is it's gonna it's about to be on like we're gonna hammer them and we didn't kill another bird and we hunted together the next two days <laughs> now sunday we had opportunities we just messed up every opportunity and i mean we were i'm talking just missing shots like we should have we should have had a couple of quail a couple of prairie chickens at least a couple of pheasants but then on monday it's like somebody just turned off the spigot. We could not find birds. And the only thing we can figure is we, we were working closer to one of the larger cities out there, which I stayed there the last two trips, and there were deer hunters at, or bird hunters everywhere. So those, those birds have been hammered on. All I can oh. figure is the, 
you know, when you're only moving hens and there aren't many of them, all I can figure is that they've just been worked on. And so the dog got some good work, and then we went further east, and uh, the last day we split up. And I said, dude, I can't hunt with you anymore because you, you are cursed. He, he's convinced that hunting seasons occasionally are, are cursed. I don't really believe in that thing, but I'm starting to uh, based on the way it's gone. And so so we split up on the last morning because I only had a couple hours to hunt and I had to get home. And I hunted two fields and only found hens. And then on the, I went to one last real small field, and it's super hot, and the dog is just beat, and he's really not into it. And I'm, I'm questioning whether I should even be pushing him because I want to hurt him. But we make the turn and get into a good wind, and all of a sudden he just locks up on point. And I killed a rooster in this field the last trip out, and it's a sweet little spot. It's kind of hidden from the road, and uh, there's a bunch of, like, wild sunflowers. It's a beautiful little place right next to a cornfield, and it's real, real dense cover, so the birds seemed like they wanted to hold better, but this bird wanted to run. And it, we're working in a little bit of a crosswind, and he points and relocates on this bird, I think, five or six times. And each time... I'd walk in and the bird's running, running straight south and the wind's coming out of the west. And so he would circle out wide to the side and he would kind of cut that bird off again and point it again. And then I'd walk in, but the bird just kept going. And, but it's really, I mean, it's awesome to watch him figure it out because it's like light breeze, super dry, so dry and dusty. Like it's not easy hunting conditions and he's just a baby. Yep. And he cuts his bird off like the sixth time and we're getting right to the edge of the field and you know, I've seen roosters like jump a fence into a stubble field and then take off running and then just fly away. And I was worried that was going to happen. Yep. So I, I got up ahead of it thinking, I'll push this bird back into the grass. Well, I did. The problem is it just took off and ran straight downwind. And when he re- he broke to relocate the next time, he either tracked the bird and got too close or didn't get all the way around it and bumped it and flushed it just out of range. So I was like, dang it. Like he, it was such a great, he, he did everything possible <laughs> you could do right. We just, we could never get that bird pinned to where we could get it to flush. But yep. I don't know. Like when you see those things, it's like, yeah, okay. Most people want the only thing they ask you after a hunting trip is, did you kill any birds? Well, it's, it's not all about that. Like the, the little things that the dog figured out along the way, you know, they're worth the, the cost of going out there to do it. Cause this is a foundational year for oh, him, right? 100%. Like it's just teaching him the basics. Yeah. And, but here, here's the kicker. Chad went South out of town and, one of his dogs pointed a covey quail and he shot a double and then he wild flushes. He pushed a bunch of roosters into this little bottom and he wild flushes and, and kills two, two pheasants. And so I'm pretty <laughs> sure he transferred the curse to me and now he has my good luck. Oh. And so I'm like, like, I don't even know if it's worth going hunting again. So <laughs> I, that guy, I don't know. Hey, good for Chad though. The guy needed some success because yeah. it has, been I was worried like I was really worried about how it was going to go for him, you know. He was uh I was trying to convince him to just give me all his stuff and take up tennis, but he didn't want to do that. So Oh. <laughs> Maybe you just got to poke him. Yeah, I guess so. But that's that's me talking a lot of hunting and you just sitting there. Well, let me hear about your your waterfowl expedition over the weekend here. Dude, I no, I don't I don't even want to really talk. It was like the least amount of fun. Well, I mean it was fun, but it, it sucked. It sucked so bad. It was like, oh, you're in Iowa. So much work. Yeah, what, yeah. I went what was to going Iowa on? Like you, you were it trying was... to kill geese or ducks or whatever. Or... Yeah, we were just trying to shoot some waterfowl. Our duck season's closed here in Minnesota. 
Uh, it closes in Iowa, I believe, tomorrow is when their season closes. So we do it every year. My buddies and I go down. It's like our annual last duck hunt of the year. And there was, like, conditions were right. We were getting down there, and there were a lot of birds in the area. But then it got kind of cold, and, like, the refuge, before we got down there, like, a couple days before, it was holding, like, 35,000 ducks. So for that, for Iowa especially, that's pretty strong. And for me as a Minnesota boy, that's like really <laughs> good. Like that's a lot of that's a lot of ducks to work with. And most years we go to Iowa, the refuge is holding like nine thousand ducks. Wow! And we're like, oh, look at all these ducks. It was that yeah. much higher? So, Jeez. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it was, was uh, there was no but, weather to push them south prior to that, right? Like we had a little front last week. You guys got snow, didn't you? And uh, that finally yeah, pushed all the, the birds the out. Issue, yeah, yeah, they got out of Minnesota. We still have a pile of geese, but uh, a lot of the ducks left. But right before we got down there, the they lost about half their birds. There was a, a lot of north winds. It got kind of cold. So there's still like roughly 20,000 yeah, birds. Enough, if you got 19,000. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're like, okay, this this will work. The other problem is I think a lot of those ducks that like the – I think the count was like 37.5 was what it was for like two weeks straight, 37,500 birds on the refuge or on the couple refuges that are on the lake. And, uh, but they'd been there for a while. So they get really smart. So we get down there, we had some new weather, which would help out. And gosh, we put on miles and miles scouting and we like, we broke ice. We tried a bunch of different locations. We had one, decent day where we shot a few ducks and a couple of honkers a couple of geese uh but then we had two days of just like one day they didn't even fly till like after shooting light um and then on the this this past monday we hunted and we we broke ice we broke this huge hole open we made like the most beautiful spread on the planet it was like five and a half hours of effort going into before we even like mm. sat down to think about hunting and then these jack wagons came out and i'm pretty sure the only reason they came out is because we broke open the boat ramp uh they come out they set up downwind of us and we're getting ready to rock and roll we got these four geese that are they're like half a mile out but so pre-locked like they're so committed to coming to our spread they're coming right at us just sailing up their wingtips together like coming in and they get like the guys are probably a hundred yards down one of us and those birds get over the top of them and the dudes just start laying into them. I mean, just, it was, Sky I almost, right? yeah, yeah. I, I almost to the, I was almost to the point where I wanted to back the boat out and I was just going to drive it full bore at those guys and spear them. Like it'd been such a rough go of events. And if anyone listening is a waterfowl hunter, you know, if you like, you put in all this work and effort and, you know, usually when you do that, you success comes. And here we we broke ice. We we did all that. We carried stuff over uh, like these little levee things to get back in because the boat couldn't get through because it had too much weight in it. So it was like all this stuff. And here we go. The first four geese we've seen all day are, I mean, just doing it. Like here, we're basically already counting like, boom, we got four honkers. Here we go. And these jack wagons shoot into them and that kind of set the tone and it was uh it was not a good way to end the duck season. So, uh, <laughs> we, we were joking cause my dad, um, 
stayed with us in the cabin we rented uh, one night, and he uh, he was like, "Yeah, you guys should just come pheasant hunt with me tomorrow." And we were like, "Actually, you know, like that would be kind of cool." And like, but no, like you know, we're down here to go duck hunting. We're gonna go duck hunting. So at the end of it, uh, my one buddy was like, "We." We should have just probably went pheasant hunting. I was like, "Gosh, no, yeah. no kidding, dude. We probably actually <laughs> we, we probably would have shot something, but our dogs would have been a little more happy because at least they were doing something." You know, it, it, it's funny because it's it's all bird hunting, right? But it's they're so different. They're, I don't know. There are similarities and differences, obviously, and 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 both involve dogs. You know, your dog people, and there are guys whose dogs hunt both, and. You know, that's cool, but really the game, it's not a game, but the, the two things are so separate. And, like, to me, I, like, I like to duck hunt, and, you know, but I just, it doesn't motivate me for some reason. Like, I, I, I can't latch on to the whole process, and I, I don't understand it very well. But that kind of stuff just would, I would get so down on, on myself that I don't think I would be able to get back up and try it again. Because, like, with pheasant hunting... I mean, it's so mobile. Like, if it, if this spot's no good, I'll just go to the next spot. Or if somebody's already there, i just go to the next right, spot. Right. Like, you just keep looking for them. And if there aren't any birds there, well, you try and figure out why, and then you go looking for where you think they are. But in duck hunting, it's like there's all the planning, and you're trying to predict not where they are, but where they're going to be, and trying to figure out their pattern. And you're, like, hoping that Mother Nature cooperates and pushes birds in. And, mm. and then all these factors, and then somebody else can come in and screw it up, and there's – it's such a waterfowl hunting is so competitive. I mean, I will say pheasant hunting is competitive in a crowded situation like you run into in some parts of the country, but it's it's a different kind of thing. Like people are so secretive and cutthroat in duck hunting, and uh, you know you kind of got your crew and you like you know your spots and like dude don't be tailing me to my spot. You know, kind of like bass fishing style. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I think it would like I think I'll be so like tuned up all the time. You know, just like anxious and. Like, are we on the right spot? You know, is it worth the time to go this place or that place? That's one thing I like about pheasant hunting. I just, I get in the truck and I point it toward bird country and I just see what's out there. And uh, yep. that's why I yep. really need to uh, get a pointer and take up pheasant hunting a little more often. You know, I might actually, uh, we can still goose hunt and I love honker hunting. Like, shooting ducks is fun, but growing up in Minnesota, I am hands down. I'm a goose guy. Like I love watching them big things splash into water. I love watching them like cupped and committed like a duck would. Like they get real skinny and they start just free falling out of the air into your decoys. Like there's nothing better than watching them big B-52s come into a decoy spread. So I am, I will forever be a goose hunter. Uh, And I love this time of year. This is when it's going to start getting good, but I might actually this weekend, I think I might, might join my, my old man and uh, go chase some, some pheasants around for um he's probably going to do a couple of day trips down to iowa um because he can make it to the he hunts a lot of stuff kind of uh around the border he hunts a lot of public stuff in southern minnesota don't give away any spots uh just kind of over into into iowa and uh he but he does a lot during the day so i'm thinking like oh maybe i'll maybe like saturday morning maybe i'll get up and roll down with him and and go do that and change the pace because you're right like the beating your head against the wall waterfowl hunting it's such a roller coaster like that i got um a handful of guys that i waterfowl hunt with all the time and we always you know like all spring and summer we're getting decoys clean we're organizing the trailers we're getting the boats ready you know like there's all this 
fun preparation that kind of goes into it. And you're like, man, I can't wait for opening day. And then you get like halfway through the season. You're like, man, I can't wait till next year. <laughs> like this year is just, this is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't take long. You're, you, you get these huge mood swings where you're totally right for the upland hunter. Like uh, you can have times like that, you know, like you get in a late season, the birds are flushing out wild and there's just stuff like you can't control oh, right? Yeah. that it just, but you're seeing birds and you're walking. Like you said, like, okay, this spot was a bust. Let me just drive over here and try this yeah. spot. Whereas you put all this time and effort scouting a spot. You're like, I feel so confident we're going to be able to shoot some ducks out of this thing tomorrow. And you get there and then the weather changes or the wind's a different direction and uh, it's cloudy. It was supposed to be sunny, but it's cloudy. So, the, you know, the light levels are a lot more tone. Birds can pick you out a little easier if your hide's not real good. There's just... There's all this stuff that makes you just want to just put it up for sale. <laughs> and, uh, but I guess like, I'm going to, I'll keep beating my head against it. Now I am super looking forward to, uh, I usually spend a lot of time very end of December, early January in Iowa shooting honkers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I am very much looking forward to getting down there and shooting some, some G's. I love shooting. I think I will be there in January. I, I'm not 100% sure yet, but I have an Iowa license. Um, I bought it when I went up there earlier in the year. Uh, actually, uh, it's b- before the season opens, you can run your dog after. I can't remember what the date is, um, but I was after the date when it opens where you're allowed to run a dog on public land, but you have to have a hunting license. So I went ahead and bought it because I, I was trying to motivate myself to get back to Iowa to pheasant hunt because it's been a few years. And, uh, mm-hmm. so I've still got a license. I think it's good through, what's the end of the season? Uh, I think it's the January 10th. 10th? Yeah. Uh, the season I think ends, it might end after that. Um, but your small game license should be good oh, till crap. the 10th well, or at least that's maybe I'm going back to Kansas that's in January because I don't know if I'll be able to get away by the 10th and Kansas season runs through January 31st. I don't know. Somewhere again. Yeah, I'm looking at my license right now. It says uh, January 10th, 2018. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to get there by then. We have a magazine deadline January 17th. So, <laughs> but regardless, I'll be Ooh. somewhere, and uh, Chad won't be around, I sure hope. And uh, Hey, well, maybe if you could do that, then maybe my dad and I can come join Ooh, you. We can find another super cheap rental house in some no-name town in Kansas. Ooh. That possibly, Dude, that was a lot that of possibly fun. has bugs in it, but maybe doesn't. <laughs> we we don't know but then you could go to that you can go to a cool little bar and get like the cheapest most delicious burger you've Where ever eaten random weird people sing uh, karaoke to old old country music dude i mean that they, that one couple that older yeah. couple they like they got all dolled up you know they came from like eight miles yeah. out of town somewhere and uh that was what they were doing on a friday or whatever night it was karaoke night they crushed it maybe we should do some karaoke I I, no, I no, 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 I, I, I retract that statement. I, you have more of the singing voice than I do. I'd be like, uh, maybe I could be like your agent or something. Do-wop, she-bop, do-bop, yeah, she-bop. Yeah, go. <laughs> <laughs> if Luke Duncan's listening, Luke, I think we should do a duet. I think we should do a Christmas album, an FLW Christmas Ooh. album. Wish you a Merry Fishmas. Oh, snap. Probably don't have time to do it this year. But I'm thinking 2018 FLW Christmas album, Luke Duncan featuring FLW staff. Oh, Bill Taylor could sing some solos. <laughs> well, boys, jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> <sighs> I'm so glad we got to talk bird hunting. I really am. Nobody in this office cares at all about bird hunting. 
They they sometimes I know and like ask me how it went. They're just sort of glossed over before I finish telling the story. Like and then I was what? They don't don't actually care. They're just trying to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm (laughs) telling about like how many quail I see in the cubby, and they're like, whatever, that, whatever, don't care. See any iPhones out? (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Man, we uh, we moved a lot of prairie chickens the first day and the last time out there in pheasant cover. You need to come out there. We need to go and check those birds out. I think they're in season through the end. Dude, they but they're they will frustrate you. Okay, I missed the easiest shot. When is guy's the first? Is the first tour event the end of the year? Uh, the first tour event is in February. Wait. Oh yeah, yeah we're yeah I'm in. Yeah. Sign me up. I'm going. Oh wait, I'm lying. The first tour event is January 25th. Uh, well, what the heck do I know? But before that, okay, so that's the very end, end of, of yeah end of January. But yeah, I missed the easiest shot a guy's ever going to have. I wasn't really paying attention. I was kind of like walking along, thinking about why I missed a quail at the previous field. And uh, <laughs> all of a sudden I look up and there's two flying right at me. I'm like, whoa, where did they come from? Well, I had to let the bird <laughs> flare because my dog was on the other side. And he was so close to me. Like when they're that close, they just seem like they're ripping by. And I just flat out missed twice. It was embarrassing. <laughs> oh, it was brutal. And then I, I, we're walking back, and I cross a fence. And I've got my gun broke open, and I practically step on a bird and uh, a quail. So it's just like that's the kind of crap that happened on this trip. I don't even know how to – I don't even know what the problem was. But just little things like – Man, I hope you didn't get Chad's juju because right? that would be no bueno. I mean because the last time out there, just a month before, and granted, like I said, there's a lot of pressure. But the month before, we moved a lot of pheasants. And uh, – both dogs pointed birds and got opportunities, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Kansas has, I've had a up and down relationship with Kansas. I've had really good trips, but I have absolutely got my butt kicked a couple times. So, I don't know. But there's, there's a lot of opportunity out there and a lot of ground that I haven't seen yet and a lot of houses for sale, and I'm, you know, doing a little shopping because I'm, I got to move to bird country somewhere. I can do my, I can do my job from there, I think. Yeah, I mean, I might buddy. be a little distracted hey. from September through January, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's totally fine. And if if it makes you feel any better, I am okay with you living in bird country. So, like, if you were maybe waiting for my approval, um, you know, you have my blessing. You that's know, all I'm saying. the litmus test for everything I do is, like, what would Kyle think about it? Like, uh, when I'm writing articles, I think, <laughs> oh, Kyle, like that line. <laughs> And when I'm like, what should I wear today? What, what would Kyle think about this? And I, I was applying it. I really was wondering what you thought about it. And so I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you approve. And uh, you're welcome to come and visit. Maybe I'll come visit you in North Dakota in September, and then you can work your way down late season. We'll have a good little thing going on. Ooh, yeah. I'll actually. I mean, I was kind of thinking about just living up in North Dakota from mid-August, uh, like right after the Cup until maybe you'd come up to to sharptail hunt because they have a august resident canada goose season it's a big limit too isn't it? and uh yeah it's like 15 birds so talking about knocking some rust off north dakota to me is like the definition of american freedom like i don't know how else to put it like you get out there and the speed limit's 75 miles an hour and you're ripping down the highway and then you get off in these little towns and there's public land everywhere 
and it's just teeming with wildlife and it's beautiful scenery. The sky is huge. The wind's blowing across the prairie. You know, you can see storms building. They got giant reservoirs, giant walleye swimming around in them, giant thousands and thousands or millions or who knows how many smallmouth bass, like five different species of upland game birds. I mean, what an amazing place. Everyone, everyone you meet is like beyond yeah, nice, like, like the nicest people you've ever show met in up your there life. in a Quaker State truck with Kentucky tags and everyone in the entire county will stop and talk to you. I know because I've done it. <laughs> but hey, if you're listening, don't go. Leave it all for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cool, but it's not like that not cool. that no, cool. It's, so you, you it's okay. Go. Yeah, you don't want to go. Oh <laughs> uh, well, Kurt, I feel like maybe uh, maybe we should tie her up. I hear you. I got to get some work done. I'm tired too. I got in yeah. late last night. Ooh, I drove for so long. <laughs> well, um, I think uh, I think Jody will be back next week. Woohoo! So we'll we'll probably have a normal podcast. If not, maybe you and I can can knock out another one. Um, I guess uh, stay tuned. FLWfishing.com. A lot of cool stuff on there. Uh, follow FLW on all the cool social medias. FLW Fishing. Unless it's Snapchat, then it's FLW Official. Uh, I will, I guess, give my Instagram plug because it's Kyle Lumber. Kurt, you're on Instagram. I am. Uh, I think it's just... Curtis underscore Niedermeyer. So, you know, if you don't know how to spell it, yeah, I mean, tough luck. Google it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Google Mostly going to see or look them up on dog the photos and some baby photos. Mostly dog photos. So we like that. But there's some, there's, there's some cool stuff. There's some cool stuff. You can keep up with Kurt. You can see a lot of, a lot of you can see Dean Dog or yes. Zap. There are multiple dogs and a baby. Hey, so. Zap is named after a town in North Dakota. People always ask me what his name is. Zap, North Dakota. He's named after that town. Both my dogs are named after towns where I've hunted. Yeah, Aberdeen yeah. for yep. Dean, right? South Dakota. and bitty little crossroads town. Listen, I like that system. I like that. Yeah. I like that system. I should maybe, I should look yeah. into that. Well, look us up on Instagram sure. and you can learn more about it. Check it out. Uh, I guess with that, Kurt, have fun getting back to whatever it is you do throughout the course of the day. I will do the same. See you.